Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Nacho experts, it is a very exciting day today on the Patreon. I have Richard with me, who is a fellow- Hello, hello. Fellow Nacho expert. We are probably- talking about the most campy lifetime movie i've seen since menu for murder like this is such high camp it's absolutely crazy you guys chose this on instagram which i think we were both thankful for because sometimes that last minute decision can be brutal (laughs) i was definitely thankful to watch this manic crazy movie on a friday night alone in my apartment while going through nicotine withdrawals. Like, this is exactly what I needed. Are you quitting? I'm quitting as of Thursday. So the timing did not work out very well for this conversation, but I'm going to power through it, Queen. Okay, good. Well, if if this works out between us, which I think it will, because I... I've noticed that you have a sick mind based off of the video (laughs) clip that you sent me. And I love a person with a sick mind. So um, if if it works out, I will say you are in the trenches right now of quitting. So I feel Mm -hmm. you as a, as I've quit before. So I know exactly what's going on. Oh yeah. You're, I I, I love that you've quit before. (laughs) (laughs) And this always doesn't stick on the first time around says the person smoking for 20 like almost 20 years. Disgusting. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so um, this movie is called Mommy's Little Princess. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of fear surrounding a movie where the lead is a child almost every time, but particularly Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. like a Lifetime movie, you know, they're not all Dakota Fanning. Like they're They're not. not, And I do not see a role for Dakota Fanning in this film, frankly. No, I don't. I I think that she's aged out of the alley role. So, you know, <laughs> I will say this actress does a great job for what we needed for this movie. I feel like the kids casting department really came out for this. So, oh my god, I'm yes. And for that. Lizzie great. certainly knows how to deliver a line written by like a a woman in her 30s or 40s for a campy thriller. Like she I feel like she went to acting school for this role. So funny that you mentioned that because there's one person that I kept thinking about when I watched this movie, and I say this as a fan, Miss Taylor Allison Swift, okay? I was getting some major Tay-Tay vibes through the screen, Um, you know, very much like Fearless Era, very big in her career. Yes, full of revenge, full of anger. Um, mm-hmm. unclear why super adorable maybe even the time between fearless and speak now like that this is exactly the anger the revenge exactly what you're saying she is so full of rage and so many other strange emotions that this has to be a taylor swift album prep well because that's like when she started to do the bearding gig you know what mm-hmm. i mean do you agree mm-hmm. do you pick up what i'm i agree about? absolutely i do i mean you know that's like the taylor lautner era like she's going through a lot 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so, okay, one thing I hate lately in these Lifetime movies is what's with the adoption sellouts? Like always, it's always like, you know, if there's ever something wrong with someone, they're like, oh, adoption, like go to that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it feels like a cheap trick. It feels like a pandering trick. But for this movie, it I feel like it had to be an adoption story. There was like, nothing It's just else. so off the rails. It could not fit into any other mold. So we find out Lizzie, our main character, had a real drunk bitch for a mom. Um, oh, yeah. A real shaky drunk bitch for a mom. You knew exactly who she was when you saw her. Like, you've seen that woman before. Whatever that Especially was. Especially with the lighting and the, like, blanket that's on the chair she's sitting on. I mean, she's an icon. She's a gay icon, for no, sure. No, she honestly, honestly, she is an icon, for sure. And... Like, you know, it starts with Lizzie being like, mom, we're out of cereal. And like ends with her mom being like, get your ass up and go to the market. And she doesn't have any money. So like, and this is like a little girl. Like I can't drive home enough that this girl's like maybe six or seven. And this is like, yeah, this is like two full years before the events of the movie proper. Like this, this girl is young and how could she possibly have money? Right. Even if like, how do you expect her to go to the market and be able to pay for this cereal? I don't, Honestly, there's a lot of dynamics here that I need to investigate further. You know her mom is like, turn a trick. Like, learn early. Mm-hmm. Like, she's re- mm-hmm. like, her. that mom's disgusting. She herself is clearly a woman that's been through some stuff. I'm sure, honestly, in these families, it's passed down. It's a generational sort of thing. Like, it, it gets it for passed sure down. is. So, um, you know, then we see Lizzie shake awake in the middle of the night and you think like, <clears throat> oh, it must be a bad dream or whatever. But we find out that she is adopted into a new family where mm-hmm. she has like this bitch stepsister and she has her mom who adopted her, it seems exclusively. And then Greg, the guy <laughs> that her mom is engaged to, which really like, by the way, I felt came a little late for me. Like, it was very mm-hmm. interesting to me to find out that, like, Greg and Julianne, like, came together in the midst of her adopting this child. Like, what a heck. I also, talking? how is it possible? I feel, like, I feel like the way they talk about this adoption, it seems that it happened pretty quickly. And for a single woman to be adopting this child, I feel like that would have been a years-long process. Oh, 100%. Like, I mean, she was probably at the bottom of some list and they were like, yeah. we have a 10 year old that's been neglected her whole life and tossed around in foster care. Do you want that? Like, which by the way, I expect when I eventually probably will cave and adopt a child because I need mm-hmm. to, I desperately need to like smother something. Um, not that. literally. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I would not <laughs> kill a child. Um, but you know what I mean? Um, so like, you know, I, I get it. Like I'm going to get some damaged goods. I'm going to get, you know, probably a 14 year old girl with a really bad attitude that's been thrown Mm -hmm. out of every home she's been in. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why I expect it to go so sitcom like for me. It will probably be a nightmare. Um, but that doesn't (laughs) dissuade anyone from adopting a kid. Um, But anyway, so like... But I also, she's at the bottom of this list and then she tells the adoption agency that she's going to be moving in with a struggling artist. And I feel like that knocks her even further down. Like, there's just... 
There's so many layers here. The fucking elephant in the room, which is where is the money coming from? Because where is the money? I mean, so Greg is an out of work painter. Like this guy gets a commission and it's basically a holiday in the house. Like no one can even. (laughs) But I also, there's also a plot hole here because he gets the commission from a a piece that was supposedly being shown in New York city. uh So I feel like he maybe it's confusing that he's at a dry spell and he's showing his work in New York. Like there's a disconnect there too. I mean, maybe Greg is like a little like bit of an emerging artist right now. And that's very Mm -hmm. exciting for him. But I don't understand why they were like, oh, yeah, we like saved our bacon. Like, (laughs) I don't know where, (laughs) again, where the money is coming from. Because they live in a gorgeous house, which, by the way, has like such an Instagram pool. Like with all the Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean. The pool and the kitchen. I'm like, this is freshly renovated. Like, this is their dream home. And, like, what's going... I feel like, how much is Greg getting paid for a painting? Because I feel like, with what I would imagine, that's not enough to keep that pool going. No, 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 no. Even if he is the one cleaning it, like, there's still... There's a disconnect. (laughs) Honestly, the motto of this movie should be, there's a disconnect. (laughs) Yes, honestly, there really is. And it's like... Yeah, Greg was a little bit of a pool boy moment. I have to say, props mm-hmm. to Julianne, because if she is independently wealthy or from some sort of family money, and she found herself an artist husband who's loyal mm-hmm. as fuck, very mm-hmm. understanding, understanding yes. of her, you know, infertility, and now sudden 10-year-old child, her instant family, <laughs> if you will. And he's willing to clean the pool. Like, come on, what a find. I think, you know clean what? Clean the pool and cook the meals, girl. He is a cook as well. You know what? He's a houseboy. You are so right. He literally, she went, okay, I actually am very empowered by this situation. I love, I've turned a full 180 in just the last 60 seconds. I am so glad I could be here to witness it because frankly, Julianne, she did it right. Yeah. She understands. Been without you, I will say that. I would have never had that perspective shift if it wasn't for your encouragement. So I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so like <laughs> Ali asked for guitar band, um, which is a video game and it's obviously like, I don't know. I, I just love it. I love it when they have to do things <laughs> like that. And there's a lot of this in this movie. Um, there is a lot of co-opting branding and changing logos throughout this film, it's especially a lot. with the DNA service, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. My jeans in me. amazing it is like come on this is like they're laughing at us if we don't get it at this point like it's a lifetime is really having a field day with us so um (laughs) ali asked for guitar band and she can't get it because you know she has to wait for her birthday and lizzie's Mm -hmm. like you know sort of like she's like oh she has the audacity to act ask for a video game but we find out like Lizzie's like up in the middle of the night because of her financial insecurity. That's like art probably going to last a lifetime for her. Like she'll probably have Mm -hmm. terrible credit her whole life because of this like program. Oh my God. It's so true. But Lizzie wakes up in the middle of the night every night to make sure that there's money in her mom's wallet. Every single night to go count the $20 bill, the $10 bill, the $5 bill and the two $1 bills. Like, I mean, what is going on here? It's more money than she's seen in her life. Um, That's true. So 
I don't know how at this point we're not supposed to know that like Lizzie's about to like break bad. Like she's fully going to go <laughs> the good son right now. But there are uh, signs everywhere. We find out that she has some friends at school, Finley and Bronwyn. I, I will say I loved the name selections in this movie yes, because they seem yes. on point for once. Like Bronwyn was- is my new favorite name for a child, period. Yeah. A, because no. it's a gorgeous name, and B, because this actor blew me away. Bronwyn, Bronwyn her, she was phenomenal. Bronwyn was unparalleled, dude. Like, she's unbelievable. <laughs> She's the next Julianne Moore, if you ask me. So she has to be. Finley is her, like, really good, her BFF. And we'll follow fin- Finley uh, throughout mm-hmm. this movie. Or she'll follow us. I don't really know. but <laughs> She has uh, an emotional arc, for sure. Lizzie makes up big stories at school about how her real mom was very rich. She's adopted because her real mom was incredibly wealthy, unbelievably mm-hmm. wealthy. Mm-hmm. And she died in a private plane crash. On uh, a stormy night. On a stormy night, exactly. So Lizzie has, you know, Lizzie, they, they try to do a lot with Lizzie's sort of like advanced vocabulary and reading skills. I thought that was mm-hmm. an interesting <laughs> an interesting choice. Um, and her soliloquizing, like she does it a lot. Yeah, she really, she, yeah. Lizzie's Taylor Swift. Um, I she don't know is. what else to say. But yeah, so she's, you know, she's writing this story and she tells her friend, yeah, like, you know, all the families that wanted to adopt me were really poor and bad. So like, mm-hmm. so finally, so, I found my mom. She works, like, she works for me. Well, she says she go- she went into foster care because none of the families were good enough for her and she couldn't pick one of those. Uh-huh. And I'm like, girl, foster care is horrific. I feel like even Finley has to know that. Right. Like, you did not choose foster care. Yeah, you could have, like, literally a basic child's understanding of a sitcom and know mm-hmm. that foster care is bad. That's, like, one of the go-to plot lines. Come on, we've all seen Full House. We all know that. Um, on. Yeah. When someone's like, I live in foster care, you're like, oh my God, that's devastating, right? So. Punky Brewster taught us, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Punky taught me almost everything, I would say. I would Literally say everything I, really, I know. I peaked at Punky Brewster. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, Lizzie realizes, like, she doesn't know anything about her family history because Finley knows that her mom is from Trinidad. So like, Mm -hmm. like what does she know? Right. And this is great. And her dad's from Serbia, which Mm -hmm. is like, I need that origin story. That is actually, I would love to know how they met. I'd pay. I I assume the Peace Corps. I assume so too. Let's be honest. Like, honestly. Yeah. So then, you know, Lizzie's going to take the, my jeans and me. Uh, tech because her mom, you know, her mom's like, oh, it's interesting that she wants to know about her genealogy. Of course. Also, I don't know if you clocked this. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I don't know if you clocked this, but when she's looking at the My Jeans and Me website, it's a video clip that's playing on Windows Media Player. Like when it cuts to the website page. (laughs) I'm like, y'all couldn't make a Squarespace like fake website you just made a little video clip that you then played on the computer screen i mean it was it was too bold and then uh, the other thing was i do like the throwback of that though i will say mm-hmm. like sure, downloading yeah. a commercial for a website on your computer i feel like 
I've done that before. Um, I have too. But the My Jeans and Me test, it looks exactly like I have a 23 and Me that I spent, I, I upgraded to the premium package because a, a more youthful malls was so ambitious about wanting to know about my genealogy. And, and had Julianne money, sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I really was. I was on that 129. I think I paid 129 for that to find out Damn. if I was going to get cancer, which, um, spoiler alert, I'm Irish. I will die of cancer. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know how I'm going to die. Like, it's not a big fucking mystery. Like, I just will. It's whatever. It's whatever one wins, you know? So Exactly. Exactly. Um, I do like that they did not, I, I did, so anyway, I was going to say I never handed in my 23 in me because I got to thinking about it slash reading Reddit and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they're going to like connect me to a crime. I'm already yeah. terribly afraid of being involved in any sort of crime to begin with. Well, not any sort of crime murder sure, sure. like the big one yeah, violent crime mm-hmm. yeah i don't want to be associated so i was like i'm not mailing i'm not mailing this in so i know that was a smart ass choice that I, was a smart choice malls oh thank you i have looked at that fucking box every day for the last like three years like i think my cleaning lady probably thinks i'm going through some sort of like identity <laughs> crisis because i like have this test sitting there waiting to be mailed in two years later um, Where is it sitting? Please tell me. Is it on the mantle? Is it on the coffee table? It's on, um, oh God, it's so dark. It's on like my little like bar section of my okay. counter, like above the, or below the display case for my fine china, which by the oh. way, I, I designed my house. Like uh, why that cabinet exists, I do not know. Like <laughs> I didn't check into work that day and like the the guy running the the show made some sort of executive decision. And yeah, I mean, the Lizzie in me doesn't love that cabinet, I have to say. No, okay, okay. I get murderous when I think about the fact that I paid for that. You start looking for the amoxicillin. Yeah, it's just, honestly, it's just something for me to dust. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's not actually mm-hmm. something for Martha to dust. I don't dust. Like, the same cleaning lady <laughs> who's had to look at the 23andMe also has to clean that cabinet. I feel so bad about that, actually. I'll just throw the box out. But um, the results are back. We find out that Julianne is, um, you know, Julianne's half Spanish, by the way. Yeah, was, uh, yeah. You know, a very exciting twist for me as a viewer. I was happy. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And so I think maybe I was sitting here like, what? what are all the whites that we're going to bring into this equation? And Spanish was not in my top five. I, that not. shocked me as well. Yeah, I thought it was a fun choice. Oh, and then 2% East Asian, which really... Oh, and it's so her. interesting. Look at yeah. her. She was so tickled by that. Um, and then we find out that Lizzie is French, Italian, and 65% German. And then... German as hell, dude. Mm-hmm, very German. Um, and then her mom raises her eyes when she sees that her great-great-grandmother was a Whittles bomb. Which a Whittles bomb. A Whittles bomb. Yeah, that is definitely the name that they chose. It can't be said too many times, a Whittles bomb. Come on. Not. <laughs> um, I do like that they went with a W, though, because it's like obviously mm-hmm. the most 
it's the most obvious choice. And I do like it when someone like tries to, you know, if you can't have Windsor, why not a Whittlebaum, right? So Exactly. Exactly. Um she Or would, Waldorf. What would be Waldorf might have been a missed opportunity. Waldorf would that would be I mean, it's it's so camp, you know? <laughs> um, it's gossip girl camp. <laughs> but my thing is like do you think that the Windsors would find out about this Lifetime movie if they chose to use that last name and sue Lifetime for disgracing the name of the queen? You know, it's an interesting question. I think at the heart of this question is the matter of would they care about a Lifetime movie? And I'm a little scared to answer that question. Like, I don't know how my worldview would be altered if I knew the answer to that question. They didn't seem to make a comment about the William and Kate of it all. Mm -hmm. That was huge Mm -hmm. for them and the Harry and Meghan of it all. Of Um, course. Can't forget that one. But they know they're famous like that. Like, they already know they're famous like that. What they maybe don't know is that they're going to be, there's going to be a movie about adopted, essentially serial killer if she had her way. Um, But, I mean... There's just so many tonal shifts in this movie. I feel like you can't be mad about the depiction of the family name if they had chose Windsor because it 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 goes in so many different paths. Mm. Like that that lawsuit would be chaotic to say the least. I would actually say, yeah, it would have actually serviced them, I think, to be like, listen, mm-hmm. we're not responsible for everyone who's got this last name. You know what I mean? Exactly. Be very exactly. Like, chic of them to separate themselves from certain family members right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so she, you know, has this flashback to her mom telling her she's a nobody and she's not special. Um, and that's very, very important. triggering for her. That's mm-hmm. very important in this plot. Not never a nobody. You don't want that conclusion. No. Coming in. And by the mm-hmm. way, what, how many times is this little girl going to encounter adults telling her that she's a nobody? Like, that is so dark to think that this girl has had so many people suggest, mm-hmm. essentially, you are a nobody. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible from a child development perspective. But honestly, if she's going to turn into, a, a, like, a pick-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps sort of person, maybe, maybe this is the best way to start this life. You know, I would say that all depends the, on where her journey is leading. That's the exact kind of adversity people, sparkly people like, you know, myself. And I think I'll just say at a preliminary basis of meeting you yourself as well. That's yes. exactly the kind of adversity we need in this life is someone mm-hmm. like, you're nobody. And you're like, you'll see, I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to be terribly poor for like seven years. And then I'm going to be moderately successful. And then I'm going to yes. host a lifetime podcast Am oh I my God! Yes, you're a nobody. Um, can so- I ghostwrite your memoir? Like, can I do this for you? <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Um, okay. Listen. So we go to this bookstore where Mom is getting herself a summer reading book, and mm-hmm. shout out to Lifetime. This was so shameless. And Are you talking so- about the Easter egg? A little Easter egg. We get a murdered at seventeen poster on the cover of like what seems to be the the summer cocktail book of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, it's honestly mm-hmm. unbelievable that I'm supposed to believe that that's a coffee table book. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. And do you know that this movie is written by the same woman who wrote Murdered at 17? 
Oh yeah. I mean, once okay, you're in, you're in, I mean, I did, I didn't know that, but like hearing you say that, that's the most logical thing I've ever heard. Like, oh, it's not surprising. <laughs> once you're on the payroll and they like you, you can go in there and pitch anything, and I'm sure they'll. Exactly. Yeah. It is. I've had so many people suggest to me, Molly, you gotta write Lifetime movies, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not prepared. No, because that really is a lifetime commitment. It really is. It is a life. You're exactly right. It's a lifetime commitment. <laughs> That's really fucking funny. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so lame. No, it was actually that was actually <laughs> deeply funny to me. First off, like I'll be thinking about. The, I'll probably text you in two days. Tell you I'm still laughing about that. That's how funny that was. Please do. So Lizzie winds up getting this book about princesses, of course. And so she goes to this little cafe with her mom after the bookstore. What a life, by the way. Like I would know I had such a, you know, fucking spend 12 hours on a Saturday at the library uh, by yourself Mm -hmm. sort of childhood Mm -hmm. that I I look at this and I'm like, look at you going to the bookstore, having some time (laughs) with your mom at the cafe. Like, how cool is being adopted? Like your parents wanted to have you so bad. Like Julian right? is like, I'm going to do this right. I adopted this child. We're going to the bookstore and the cafe where we're going to discuss the literature my daughter just got. Like what a life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I saw a little bit of my own childhood in this, but in a very different way. Because like my mother is a beautiful Capricorn woman as well. And she uh, loved spending time with me, but it was always like, navigating the aisles of Target and TJ Maxx and (laughs) Ross. Like we never sat down to chat. We could do our talking while we were being productive. No. This is so interesting. By the way, I love that there's a shared lack of sensibility in the fact that you and I were both raised to think going to TJ Maxx is productive. Like (laughs) there is nothing fucking productive about going to TJ Maxx and like literally reading a babysitter's club book leaned up against the shelf because your mom like smelling candles. Yeah. Will not leave TJ Maxx. You live at TJ Maxx now. Like this is where, this is where the best years of your life will be spent. So, um, yeah, her mom is like very proud of her to, to, be able to read like her mom's watching her read and watching her work through those syllables the one that the mm-hmm. one she's having a hard time with I thought that was sort of um again an interesting choice so yeah. um in her room Lizzie has started a serial killer wall of like all things <laughs> princess and Germany and she hangs up a little like internet printout of the most eligible bachelor in Germany, who's this like German prince that's a whittles bomb, which at first I was like, okay, that's disgusting. Why is she trying to get her mom to, and I was like, oh, her mom's not related to them. That's not gross. Yes, I actually also had that exact thought. I was <laughs> like, where are we going with this lifetime? I like it. And when then I remembered we've like, been hit over the head with adoption so much. Yeah, no, like these movies really like make you think and I like it when they take that care, you know, to mm-hmm. make sure that someone who's probably like stoned on a couch will still have a <laughs> mental adventure while they're watching. Yes. So, um, yeah, like, you know, Allie sees her wall. Her bitch stepsister comes in and sees her wall and is like, this is so stupid. Like, you're not a princess. Um, mm-hmm. and she's like, actually, bitch, my great-great-grandmother was a queen. 
Um, and she's like, don't, <laughs> like, honey, don't go around saying that because you're going to be embarrassed. So Which at this point, I also thought that Allie was the bitch stepsister, but that is some sage advice. That is women protecting women. Right honestly, there. it was. And like, by the way, like Lizzie has a damaged relationship with women because of her mom. She has straight up mommy issues. So, you know, she can't see that for what it is really. Mommy which- issues and daddy delusions, like terrible wow. combination. Wow. You're so powerful um so um her mom comes in her room she's like obviously she's a little overwhelmed but i think there's always this element with lizzie where it's like she's adopted it's like it is what it is right Mm -hmm. like they're Mm -hmm. just always sort of handling her with kid gloves so then um you know greg is talking to her that night they're in bed her mom obviously (laughs) greg is in bed with her mother Um, (laughs) And uh, he says, like, that Allie was really into Hannah Montana at Lizzie's age. And that, you know... What a comparison. I loved it. I love that they called out Hannah Montana, like, fully in this Lifetime movie. Yeah. I mean, Miley Cyrus better have gotten a royalty check from that mention. That's all I care about. I'm also thinking, like, they didn't need to do all that. Like, they literally Mm -hmm. could have said anything. Like, especially in a Lifetime movie, you would think they'd just make up like some sort of Hannah Montana style, like diet Hannah Montana moment, but they went- Or just go with, just go full parallel and say that she also had a princess phase. It's just that she didn't think she was a princess. There, that's the fix. You're right, that's the fix, but- Come on, let me edit these scripts. I know, you need to get in there. I agree. So um, basically, um, you know, kids are very singularly focused is what he said. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm an adult and I have that problem. So like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, it's not just kids, honey. It could be a bigger picture issue. So exactly. This kid's going to grow up to be a stan of the worst kind, like a Nicki Minaj stan or something. <laughs> 100%. Although I will say I do love the barbs. I love fandoms. I have to say there's nothing that gets me more excited than seeing other people excited about something. Oh, absolutely. Do you stan anyone? Oh my God, who don't I stan? I mean, well... <laughs> Marvelous I, answer. I No, I truly... Well, like, my number one stan moment of, like, a fandom, I stan the Juggalos so fucking much. Like, oh my I God. live for the Juggalos. Are you a Juggalette? Like, let's, let's go ahead and answer the question now. I mean, I identify as a juggalette in essence, but I do okay. have the lifestyle. No, I don't. Like, okay, I, okay. I so not in practice, but in theory. Yeah, like I support them from the outside because I do see at the end of the day what brings all of them together is the fact that they are outcasts in their area. Wherever they live, mm-hmm. they maybe only have one or two other juggalo friends like it's not absolutely a poppin trend to be a juggalo never was a poppin trend um maybe in certain areas of the country possibly michigan for sure but like for the most part (laughs) being a juggalo is a very isolating experience and absolutely i feel terrible about that because at the end of the day juggalos have each other's back like they, they do like, honestly in a dark way, like the way that like people in a room 
might realize through like dog whistling that they are also in the KKK or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like the juggalos find each other in the world. And once you're fam, you're fam. Like juggalos. It's like the furries. And I draw that comparison lovingly. Right. Like, furries and juggalos take care of their own. They do. It's like a blind, like when I first came out as a juggalette on Twitter, I think it was like probably like 2008 or something. Dude, that were in my mentions. I mean, yes, I've been a juggalo for over 20 years. Technically, I first discovered them when I was 14 years old. So yeah, I would say we go back pretty far. Um, but no, I've admired them from the outside for years. And then of course, also I stan Ari. We love Ariana Grande in this. Oh, house. of course we do. I mean, there's just so much there and like, yes, yes. My girl has some problems like, you know, and additionally, she's also a little tacky. Like we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love she's a cancer woman. We accept the flaws. I, yes. And, and I love that this bitch is running around in like a $14 like made in a sweatshop ass tank top on her Instagram and yes. she it look cute. But like we know we she know. got that at Primark. Yes. Uh, she Ari has unfortunate style, but for sure. <laughs> like I do love that she has that sort of Britney Spears energy around her mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, the way that Britney is like, you know her closet is full of Charlotte Russe. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Britney and Lana both Oh, yeah. Well, then I've never stand Lana, I have to say, but I understand why people would. She's in some hot water these days. Um, she is in some hot water these days, but she's withstanding all of the hot water in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it seems. Are you a Lana stan? I was sort of, I courted Lana stanship back when like Born to Die Paradise Edition came out. Like Yayo and Bel Air were like my favorite songs in the entire world. But you know, it, I lost track of it until Norman fucking Rockwell, which I do think is a magnificent album. But right. I'm not standing by her in all of this drama, certainly. No, it's hard. It, it's hard to be a fan in today's world, yeah. which is why I appreciate so many of the people. But then, you know, of course, I was a Barb before there were Barbs. Like, I mm-hmm. snuck mm-hmm. in. We're talking undercover. way back. I snuck in undercover to the Pink Friday album shoot. I was one of four people in the room when... How did this happen? So I was, you know, I was a Nicki Minaj stan. I, like, found her first mixtape through my friend friend Blair. And then I just, like, listened to everything that came out, like... Any, any track that would be online, anytime she uploaded something to YouTube, anything, I was up mm-hmm. on it. And everyone knew this about me. Because, like, Pink Friday, you know, Nikki was killing it in guest spots all the time. Oh, my God. 50K for a verse, no album out, honestly. Truly. And so all of that started to happen. And people were like, oh, this girl Molly's been talking about for two fucking years. She's popping off now. And like, it was always sort of like a, oh, good for you. Like little tastemaker moment. Because I was always posting Nicki Minaj MP3s to my Tumblr. Like I was out there. You were not. (laughs) I was. Of course I was. (laughs) Absolutely uploading that shit to Tumblr, putting everyone through it, writing post after post about like how empowered I felt listening to Nikki. Right. So word gets round. 
people know this about me. Um, I had a friend at the time who I no longer speak to, but it's not my fault. Like truly this, that's the one that's not my fault. Like I would say most of my failed relationships are <laughs> my fault, but that one's not my fault. But he knew the guy that was shooting Nikki's Pink Friday album. And so he went to him and basically was like, yo, my friend really loves Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. She needs to get into this somehow. So the photographer wind up, winds up telling the label that I'm his life coach. And oh, I have to be- my God. And it was at the point where literally I was shoulder to shoulder with executives at her label looking at the monitor and I wouldn't move. Like I realized like I was being a dick and I knew it in the moment, but Uh I took my opportunity to be the photographer's exclusive life coach that needed to be there to hold his emotional hand during this shoot. It was this so overwhel- it was so overwhelming. I literally went into the hallway at one point and I just started bawling. Like I literally started bawling because I was like, I can't believe I fucking moved to LA. Like I can't believe I thought like you know, all of these things in life I have dreamed of are coming true right now. And yeah. like, it's so fucking crazy. And I am one of four people, including Diddy at fucking Nicki Minaj's album oh, photo shoot. It was crazy. And I still have, I, so I brought, um, the tool from her pink Friday dress. Don't. Cover. It, w- it was all over the floor. And so I picked up some pieces of it and I brought some to Blair and I kept some as well. And I was like, this is our symbol of being barbs. Like we literally helped bring her here by hyping her constantly. I mean, Nikki did all the hard work. Let's face it. Oh, of course. Of course. We did nothing. But I, you know, it was, it was very like, it was nice to be up on her early. And I feel that way too about Doja Cat a little bit where I know she's Ooh, yeah. Problematic. I mean, let's be honest. Nikki is married to a fucking registered sex offender. So yeah, like, that cannot be ignored in this situation. I don't love that for her. Like, I would say that's very unfortunate. I opened up TMZ this morning because I'm still locked out of my Twitter. It's not a big deal. I'm not starting this. Oh my God, I forgot you were locked out of Twitter. Yeah, it thinks I'm seven months old. So I, they were like, you're too young to have a Twitter account, sweetie. And I was like, my Twitter account is 14. Like my Twitter account is old enough yeah. to have fucking Twitter. Let me, let me back in, bitches. But the verified department is moving very slow. That's something I've learned. People think okay. that being verified, I don't know, maybe it does ultimately make it easier, but you have to go through the talent team which is fascinating mm-hmm. that that's, that's what they call you. If you have a blue jacket. <laughs> um, I mean, since the high profile hacks, they're probably overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, you know, that even with Doja, like I also think she's like a fascinating artist, but she is, I mean, it's, it's, it's problem. Stan culture is problematic. It's also delicious to watch and observe. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel happy for people the way I feel when I'm consuming it myself. Like maybe it's a narcissistic pleasure because I'm looking at them and being like, oh, I know that feeling. It feels so good. That feels Mm -hmm. so good for me to watch. Um, But can I bring in a quick Juno Temple ref? 
Oh my, yes. Okay. That's someone else I obviously stand. Yes, please. <laughs> because I was not a super Doja Cat fan until I watched Dirty John. And I want right. to remind you that that show opens with Doja Cat's go to town. Dude. Over I like the know. aerial shots of coastal California. Dude, I, we just recapped this on my quarantine podcast that's also just like exclusively on Patreon. And I said to that, my friend Nicole that I do this with, I was like, I cannot believe the boldness to open this show with a fucking pussy eating anthem by Doja Cat and have this woman get fucking cucked the entire show i was like it's so cucked in that show i can't even deal with it dude i can't even it was brutal watch and i was like first of all like shout out to the music department who at the production company whoever who figured that out that's unbelievable that they did that song because it was you know it was two years before dojo was popular yeah Uh, and it's a, it is like, that's a banger. That song is a fucking banger. Um, but it was, I'm just saying people with voice. premium Spotify accounts need to be music directors because then we get shit like that. That's really smart. That's really smart. Actually. Like we need the curated playlist to find all of these pussy eating bangers. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. I love the music video for that too. That's when I knew There's Doja. a video for Go to Town? Yeah, that's when I knew her ass was weird. Like, it was, yeah, it's very low budge, but it's, like, basically her <laughs> in a dominatrix cat outfit. And then we get, oh. you know, I think they filmed it probably more recently. Um, sure, sure. It's kind of high budge for someone who... I don't think for someone who had what like one two singles out at that point yeah and then also more than that I don't know if you saw like her last video but it was obviously filmed for a one dollar like it was (laughs) it was all in one sort of shot like the other outfit didn't work out so like it's oh no which is just like unfortunate but anyway so Lizzie takes her mom's credit card um oh yes okay yeah of course, you know, she starts telling people at school she's from a royal family. Um, her mom's going to marry a baron in Germany. Greg just lives... Oh, yeah, and this is when we meet Miss Mila, right? Yeah, so Miss Mila, this is, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know, what the advantages of filming this as a summer camp situation <laughs> was for them. But there must have been because, like, it's a day camp that they go to, and Miss Mila yeah. is there. Like, in cl- I, this is a day camp that takes place mostly inside. It appears, yes. and yes. Miss Mila is like, you know, their counselor slash art teacher. She's like, you know, she's a cool teacher, very reasonable woman. <laughs> I love, I love a woman of color running the show, but this actor was doing the absolute most with every line delivery and I like I had to watch all of her scenes twice through I had to I believe she is a teacher in real life I believe that too the way she talks to these children although well we'll get to that later there are some things later that make me think maybe she's not a teacher (laughs) yeah it did yeah I under I know what you mean there's some moments that feel a little like teenage babysitter at best yeah 
Um, so yeah, Lizzie's telling people that Greg just lives with them, which I thought was brutal. <laughs> oh, Greg just lives with us. Um, and he, like he's in the guest house or something. No, totally. Like some random. So then um, <laughs> we find out that there's a week-long overnight art camp that's like an additional part of this other camp where it seems like mm-hmm. they mostly do classroom learning at. Like I felt yeah. almost like they didn't have the heart to tell these kids they were in summer school based off of what these kids were learning. Like, they're lying to them. And and for such an advanced reader like Lizzie, that makes no sense. But, um, you know, only 14 kids from the community center get to go. Um, Which is the exclusivity that we love, honestly. Like, as a child going to arts camp, (laughs) it's only exciting if there are only going to be 14 people there. Especially with the cutthroat shit that Lizzie does to get into this camp. I mean, Dude, it's I insane. was hoping you were a theater person so bad. I am the assistant that. to a Broadway producer. Like, I am okay. a theater bitch. <laughs> okay. So, I, because I was like relegated to like stage crew. So, like, I mm-hmm. didn't even really, I, honey, I was not a contender. So, <laughs> I never really stayed in theater because I knew I was just going to get stuck in some sort of like, sort of extra thing which like now I I look back and I'm like that's a conspiracy because my mom was poor I was like (laughs) (laughs) like I'm like sick because I'm like why did none of those teachers ever see me sparkle and then I realized literally I realized the girls that did sparkle like who's heard from them like I think they Mm -hmm. one went to college in Ohio and we never heard from her again so like you know she named her daughter Braylee Oh, dude, 100%. (laughs) Like, if anyone is, like, liable for that, no, it's 100% the girl I'm thinking of, which, by the yes, that is so (laughs) correct, 100%. So, we're going to this theater camp, okay? I have no idea about any theater stuff, and I'm so excited you do. Um, Okay, good. (laughs) Cinderella, and, of course, Lizzie is incredibly horny for this because oh my god she can't imagine not being cinderella no there's no chance that she's not cinderella it is assumed and like anything that gets in the way between her and her destiny it has to go um and that starts with you know the possibility that she can't even go to the camp like just the seeds of that really enraged her so it's unacceptable no but i will say just real quick the, let's get the first thing on my list of things I love about this movie is sort of introduced here. And that is the commitment to arts education. Right. Like, I don't know about Philadelphia, but I feel like this is an insane level of arts education. Right. No. Oh, by the way, you're so right. I forgot to point out that we know we're in Philadelphia because one of the oh, they name check Philly, Chicago, New York. Out in seconds it was probably the first two minutes of the film Allie the bitch stepsister goes my mom is or, my mom is the craziest person in the city of Philadelphia and I was like why do we know why do we need to know that they're in Philadelphia and why are we in Philly at all I think that they started doing a lot of recent movies in um I thought Murdered at 17 took place in, well, it took place in like the Philly area, but it was filmed mm-hmm. in Toronto. 
but they made sure to highlight Philadelphia and that. And then of course, murdered at 17, got the shout out in this. And so I'm wondering if they are getting that discount that you get uh, if you film in certain states like Georgia, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And part of that is showcasing this, the, like in name checking the city yeah. that you are filming in. So, I mean, but like also, like you don't need to do that, Philadelphia. Like, why put mm-hmm. yourself through this? Like, now I just literally psychos live there. Uh, this is the craziest way to promote how much money you're pouring into the arts for children. Like, right. <laughs> The, the message is muddled in this script. But um, no, I will say, and I also felt like I had some art education at home because I learned about the vinegar of it all in this. Oh in, my God. Yeah. I, that was huge for me. So, um, you know, Lizzie asked her mom, she can go to camp, but her mom's like, no, cause you have nightmares. And like, I totally clocked that. Cause I was like, oh, she's that little bitch too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I know she's traumatized, but like, come on. Um, come on. So she's like, mom, no, I can do it. So when they get home, Lizzie, all of her deliveries, her princess packages has arrived. And she apparently stole mom's credit card, as we know, turned around Mm -hmm. and ordered what seemed like thousands of dollars worth of stuff. I mean, it was either a lot or not much at all. There was stuff in boxes and we didn't know what it was, but it took up. Okay. But also real quick, I think we've skipped what is at the top of my list of things I love about this movie. Okay. Which is the introduction of Bethany. I'm so sorry. Do you have anything about Bethany? Because she is the star of this movie. I, I do actually have at least, I have one note about Bethany that like exceptionally cracked me up, but you're right. Bethany is an MVP. She's Julianne's coworker or boss. She's the coworker with the uncle who's a, who's a, an amateur genealogist. Yes. She's this smoking hot mother of three who like, I don't know her filmography, but I'm sure she's done a lot of projects like this. I'm sorry. I just had to bring up Bethany because I literally no. wrote, I think every line she said, she's iconic. That was my mistake because I think I wanted to subconsciously save time for us to talk about more bullshit later. So I think I was mm-hmm. like skipping ahead of my notes, but no, Bethany was absolutely iconic. Like took my breath away She's beyond. and also reminded me how jealous I am of women who have eyes shaped like hers because the way that yes. she could just had that full sort of like, coppery brown smoky eye i always Mm -hmm. admire that in other women i love it i'm always happy for them um so uh yeah we find out back to the back to the uh, the amazon hall (laughs) yeah she ordered all this shit and you know this is when it like you know comes up that she might not be a princess and and lizzie Mm -hmm. says like well what am i like am i a baroness and then ali says you're nothing and, and we are triggered. PTSD yeah. to the max. This is like, what not to make a joke about mental illness, but this girl needs a counselor, right? Yeah. I mean, you would think. And like, I, 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 I mean, I don't know how I would react as a mother. I can't honestly say my dog bites me and I think it's cute. And so <laughs> I would absolutely probably not put me in charge of a child like this because I would be yeah. like, oh, you know, it's okay. But that's essentially what Julianne does. Yeah, she's like, (laughs) dude, dealing with the whole neglect thing. Like, I would totally do what Julianne does. But you're right. How could you witness this meltdown she has and think, oh, 
just send her to sleepover camp. Like, just book yeah. a trip to Germany. Like, it gets a little out of control. And um, also, how much money did she spend on this princess shit? Like, nobody's talking about the money. Even the out-of-work artist father is just like, oh, you know, let her keep it. She's really into princess shit. And I'm yeah. like, somebody needs to be checking, like, balancing the checkbook here. Well, this mom basically says to her at one point, she goes, a credit card is like a promise to pay it back. Because, like, she's acting like her child that can read, like, four-syllable words, like, doesn't understand the concept of a credit card. Like, I'm like, please, if I have ever seen someone lousy in credit card debt, it was Lizzie's dead mom. Like, you know, yes, that if she... Yes. I, she can't even get credit cards anymore. Like, mm -hmm. they don't even trust her with, like, the food stamps card. Like, they're just, like, no, no cards for you at all. And so, Lizzie has to know that she's inherited a mountain of debt. Like, <laughs> somebody has told her that. Yeah, absolutely. She inherited a million dollars worth of debt <laughs> from mom overdose. By the way, guys, spoiler alert. I can I just tell you that this was around the time that I started to realize I would be devastated if Lizzie didn't kill her mom. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. Like I had I did not even that. think of that theory, but I'm con I'm putting the pieces together in my mind. Like you know, and Lizzie like got into the heroin bag and like put a little bit too much on the spoon or whatever, however it is you do. Yeah. Like you but it's also, what do we think this mother OD'd on? Because we know that she's a drinker and a pill head. Right. we don't know all of the ins and outs of her drug habits. Like, there are many ways to tinker with this woman's stash, I'm sure. I mean, she could have, you know, started putting eye drops in her coffee. I think that just makes you shit yeah. yourself. I don't know. But there's, you know, <laughs> women do love to poison. I always say that. Women love poison. It's always the way to go if you're a chick. Like, just, you got to poison them, um, unfortunately. Well, Lizzie's about to fully roofie someone in the middle of lunchtime in, like, three scenes. So, yeah, she has some experience here. So, Lizzie's doing what I've been talking about lately in these movies. It keeps coming up that in Lifetime movies, when they want you to know someone's crazy, they fully have their inner monologue out of their it's an outer monologue like they're mm -hmm. totally mm -hmm. like so lizzie's looking at this like printout in her room of the prince after she had that like good faith talk with her mom where she's like mom i have 32 dollars. does that make up for all the stuff like can i <laughs> can i keep this stuff by the way like and her mom just laughs her mom's like uh -huh. like you know how cute like of course you can keep this stuff and i'm like julianne you are creating a monster like you're the problem yeah i'm like also, Julianne, how are you not involved in a pyramid scheme? If you're that easy to sway, like, come on. I know. It's amazing she's able to afford this multi Yeah, literally. Home. I mean, that home looks, dude, I would put that at like 1.3, depending on the neighborhood. Like, that was- Yeah, depending on where they're at in Philly. Nice home. Um, so, um, she then envisions herself- she, so she says that about the prints to the paper printout. Mm -hmm. And then she envisions herself being on a red carpet and like waving. In soft focus. Um, and her mom is arm in arm with this like royal guy. And like, I was so confused. I don't think I've ever seen a royal on a red carpet. Like in no, my No, and also in this dream sequence, her mother is supposedly married to this, whatever he is, baron or whatever, duke. And she has, like, inch-long brown roots. 
and bleach blonde hair. Like, what's the occasion? Who is the hairdresser that gets fired after this? What is the wig? I have questions about this. Well, I did notice that in this movie, they did a good job of keeping it somewhat what is in the realm of, like, an actual child's behavior. Yes, absolutely. Like... The dialogue is not that of a child, but all of the other plot points, absolutely. Like, Lizzie doesn't, you know, yes, she's going to threaten people's lives. She's even going to possibly take one. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's never in a way that doesn't appear like a child would possibly do something like that in real life. It's not... It's not the good son. Um, so. No, no, no. Oh my God. Do you remember how haunting that was? Like Macaulay Culkin, like holding Elijah Wood by one hand off of a fucking Like over head. the cliff? Yeah. I yes. Mean, that is not, a child could not and would not do that. I, in my mind, for the most Mm-mm. part. Um, Only in an orphan type situation where it's like a 38 year old woman masquerading as a child. Would that happen? Who is the good son? You know what I mean? Um, the good son is all of us. Right. Um, (laughs) right. Uh, so, um, the next day at work, she's talking to Bethany. This is when I really, this is my Bethany moment. Beth. Like, oh, Lizzie is like, you know, going through this and that. She thinks she's a princess. She's delusional. And then Bethany Mm -hmm. goes, and then there's Allie. And I'm like, yes, Bethany gives Allie the stinky side eye. Like, who are you in this, in these people's lives that you feel that comfortable making a negative statement about her <laughs> fiance's stepdaughter, like her fiance's daughter? Like, that is such an inappropriate, like, <laughs> especially that, like, yes, they seem like they're work friends, but like, and Bethany is probably invited to the wedding based on what I. Oh yeah. Budget oh for movie. sure. But like if it was an if it was a destination wedding, no way would Bethany be or you know, she would just never be there. So yeah, no. I was very I was very taken aback by the choice. And we also find out, you know, these are millennial parents, I guess, right? Because they're all mm-hmm. they're all boozers. Like we find out Allie, she's gonna send a bottle of Pinot to Julianne because oh, yeah. it's so bad that she has to deal with her fucking terrible adopted child and this bitch stepdaughter like you know literally bethany is the friend that's like gonna come over with the face mask and the bottle of pinot and say girl send the kids to chuck e cheese we're taking a moment for ourselves bethany is that bitch so drunk that you guys will smoke cigarettes in your Mm -hmm. fucking own kitchen with Mm -hmm. the windows down like you you will send an uber to pick up the children Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that maybe they would even send an Uber to go pick up their Chinese food and bring it back. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, Greg is working on this like model castle for Lizzie and, you know, he's starting to fall behind on this painting commission. This and- fucking painting that we saw a sketch of and we already Dude. know it's tragic trash. Dude. And now it's a plot point. I don't, at this point, I did not know where we were going with this painting. How bad the painting was was peak lifetime. Like, it was so bad. It was so it's, bad that I l- actually laughed out loud. I couldn't it's believe It's like a Home Goods $29 clearance painting. And not even. Like, it honestly, it looked like Lizzie made it at school and he was fucking <laughs> copying her notes. Like, it was so, it was so poor. 
Um, even I feel like Bob Ross would shit on that painting, and like that's not his bag. Like, I, that's not his bag. It is not his bag. So, um, yeah, like you know, Allie's like, well, you would have never done that for me. So again, agitating that sort of relationship. But he's mm-hmm. like, you know, um, well, we'll move forward. Who cares? Like, I honestly don't care. What- I just, just real quick, put a pin in the relationship between Allie and Greg, which at this point I have questions about. But these questions become more important and more pressing later on. Yeah, I think. But we, there's, I think, there's I something going on here. Yeah, there's a weird, there's weirdness. So, um, you know, Lizzie finds out she didn't get into camp and the slots were full. And this is not, she pulls literally, she says, don't you know who I am? Yes. She is shaking angry at Miss Mila, which this is the first moment where I'm like, Mila girl, you're not a teacher because this is so clearly a warning sign. Something's happening. And not only is she not a teacher, like literally she's a camp counselor. She can walk out of that and go to the head of the camp and be like, I can't deal with this shit. Like, yeah, literally. Mila, like you don't have to do all that. Like, no, you are not board sort of certified. Like you are not a mm-hmm. mandatory reporter. Like they cannot take your smoke break away. No, they can't. Oh my God. It's so true. You're right. That's exactly right. So, <laughs> um, you know, Lizzie waits back and decides to steal the camp forms when they decide to like go out of the room that they go to camp mm-hmm. in. Um, Our first introduction to the name Bronwyn. Yes. And we find out that Bronwyn, who did get accepted to camp, is allergic to penicillin. Highly allergic. All forms of penicillin. <laughs> so <laughs> Lizzie goes home and she Googles what penicillin is and what all of its derivatives are. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is I also thought. top of the list of things I hated about this movie, this iPad. This iPad should not be in this girl's possession. She is only using it for evil. Literally. Like, her search history. Well, imagine what we didn't see, you know? I know. She's searching some dark shit on this iPad. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, parental controls. We need them. So Come on. Um, she finally finds some penicillin in Allie's nightstand, and she says to the penicillin, "Sorry, Bronwyn. Guess you're not going to arts camp." So and then see- shakes the pill bottle. <laughs> shakes the pill bottle. She then crushes up the pills, puts the powder in back into the thing. I mean, she knows what. Like, come on, she killed her mom. Sorry, she killed her mother. She knows how to muddle these pills. She doesn't even have a mortar and pestle, and she's just like, "I have a stapler. Let's make do." Dude, I have a hard time breaking my fucking Xanax in half. And this bitch... (laughs) (laughs) I prescribe Xanax, by the way. Um, I do have anxiety. So, like, but yeah, if that's not clear. (laughs) Yeah, she fucking works these pills over, and she has her plan done, okay? So, Bronwyn gets up to go to the bathroom the next day, and Lizzie's like, oh, I too have to go to the bathroom. And then Well, this she- is also weird, because Miss Mila addresses the class and says, who needs to go to the bathroom? Was there not... I'm like, sorry, what? I feel like there was bathroom breaks in situations in my life like that, where... There, it, yeah, like, there have it, to have been. If you were a good kid, like, if you were a reliable kid, then you could, like, go to the bathroom by yourself. But typically... Yeah. I think probably, honestly, because there are kids that would shit their pants before willingly going to the bathroom <laughs> at camp, there would be, like, mandatory bathroom breaks at certain points. Yeah. Of the day. 
So then, you know, Bronwyn comes out of the bathroom and there's Lizzie drinking a fruit punch saying, oh, this is the best fruit punch I've ever had. Um, and for some reason- Which re- has an overdose of amoxicillin at this point. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry I didn't include that. Of course, she fucking... <laughs> also, that was another thing for me, too. Because I was like, Lizzie, you don't want to be, like, free out here drinking penicillin either. No. Like, who knows? So, and by the way, why do you think Allie had the penicillin? Well, you know, Allie, I think probably had an... I was going to say either an STI or an infected piercing that she doesn't want anybody to know about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry I cut you off because I think that we are completely in sync and I shouldn't have even asked. Um, (laughs) But um, Lizzie, um, you know... So Bronwyn makes a big deal about having her own fruit punch in her bag. And then we find (laughs) out that her friend, um, what's her friend's name? Finley. Finley. Finley, yeah. Found out on her free time, because she's a good friend, that the castle that Lizzie's obsessed with, it's going to be open to the public in two weeks. And you can even meet the royals when you're there. This is some lifetime ass logic. Because she, quote unquote, found out because her mother gets emails from travel agents uh-huh. about all of the exciting things happening in Europe. Yeah. Like, what is this email newsletter? It sounds like her mom's on Reddit, like deep on Reddit. <laughs> like, it, really, it sounds like there's something going on there. I agree. I bump on that. And then also the full color printers that all these people have in their homes. Literally. I understand this is an upper class situation, but I feel like truly wealthy people don't get printers because you know, Mm -mm. it's damn, you go to fucking FedEx Kinko's. It's just what you do. Or you, or you send your kid to the library with a dime. With a dime, 100%. Or (laughs) you steal from work. And I'm fine with that too. Um, But yeah, so you know, she's going to, you can even meet the Royals, which I'm like, dude, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, the Royals are poor. Like, why are they having like a meet and greet at their house? Like they're a fucking YouTuber. Like what literally do you they can come there. So, um, you know, Lizzie sees her chance to mix the penicillin in with Bronwyn's drink at lunch, which is not fruit punch. It is OJ. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought this was like such an easy sort of, moment for I think they were trying to let us know with the OJ that they're not lazy because the normal thing to do obviously would just be to swap the two bottles instead of literally a prescription bottle of penicillin in front of everyone in your class but again Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is lifetime also being sensitive to the idea that Lizzie is not diabolical that she can be reduced at the end like, she's a child, she's stupid, she poisons her friend publicly. So In front of the entire class. I realize Bronwyn is, is otherwise disposed doing something up at the front of class, but nobody saw her roofie this girl's drink? No one, apparently. Yeah, I mean, that's the Miss Mila of it all, where I'm like, okay, this is a little, like, babysitter turns her eye, like a blind eye, yeah. to, like, the kids sneaking snacks into their room. Except mm-hmm. of, like, drugging someone. Um, so Lizzie, you know, has a little moment outside of school where she pretends she's greeting people at her garden party. Obviously, by the way, Ron Winnow deed. Like, she's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to skip that. While, 
<laughs> While Lizzie was staring her down like a fucking hawk, she's ODing on amoxicillin, like in full anaphylaxis. Well, that's like the Taylor Swift of it all. Like, Bronwyn mm-hmm. was John Mayer, I feel. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bronwyn took her innocence when she found out that she couldn't go to camp because... Can we get Dear Bob. Bronwyn, Taylor? <laughs> if, if Taylor Swift is a, is a Patreon member, can we get Dear Bronwyn, I please? might be. I think, honestly, I'm pretty sure. We had someone sign up under the username one, two, three. And so I like to pretend um, that whoever one, two, three is, is anyone I want them to be given on the, given the conversation. <laughs> right now it is Miss Taylor and Miss Taylor, we have questions about folklore. We don't have to get into it, but we have questions. But I don't think Taylor could live with herself if it was not 13. Like that too has to go. Like I, I think mm-hmm. Taylor would malfunction if she had to sign yeah. up for something. With one, two, three, it wouldn't. And also, if she became a Patreon member, she would probably have some sort of Easter egg and like an album liner or something, indicating right. that people should find your Patreon. I would have been. A, I would have been a pin on the Rolling Stone jacket. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, I mean, she knows. You know, she's been planning. So, <laughs> um, Greg, uh, you know, thinks it's a great idea to go to Germany. Um, a family trip is definitely what they need. Um, and it's Which is a- so shocking to me. That, like, is Greg a scrub? Like, is that where we're going with this? Oh, I because- 100%. I'm going to flip on him again. <laughs> <laughs> Very bold to say we need to go to Germany. Too bad it's not during the drinking festival when you've sold one painting. <laughs> one painting that by the way you have to know something's gonna happen to it in transit like at this point there's a little psychopath running around don't count on the money from this painting anyway like with ben affleck and like his uh quarantine girlfriend or whatever like diarmas yes of course okay of course you know so like don't you feel like at some point when that girl you just started dating who's like in comparison, not doing as well as you. Mm-hmm. When she says, like, we should go to Bali or something, like, how do you not as a celebrity know exactly what's being done to you? Like, you think well, you're a person who cannot afford a vacation <laughs> just <laughs> would ask any boyfriend if they want to go to Dali or Bali? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, specifically in Ben Affleck's case, Anna Diarmas has one of those faces that I feel like it's so gorgeous and perfect. You're not going to say no to that regardless, but you have to see through it. You have yeah. to. Ben Affleck is like sealed in my memory as Gwyneth Paltrow described him in his ideal state on the Howard Stern show when she was like, his ideal state would be in a strip club drinking beer, looking at tits like that. And this I'm. Is- a deep cut. It hit me very... Well, like, it stuck with me, obviously. Austin boy. I mean, what do we expect? Well, I mean, I still, you know, I was like, okay, fuck Ben. I can still, like, I I can live without Ben. But then when things went awry with Matt... That was very hard for me because mm-hmm. I was a Matt Damon girl first. I will say I did see Casey Affleck once at the Radio Shack in the garage at Harvard Square um, buying some batteries, and that was very hot to me. But you Casey, know, Casey, what I, were the batteries for? I, I need I, to know. 
I need to know as well. I assume a disc man, given the time and era, <laughs> that it, was, it was probably a disc man. Um, it has to be a disc man. But yeah, so, you know, Greg, again, wants to go on vacation. And then we see Lizzie's really upset when they talk about this trip and give her the good news because she did not realize that Greg and Allie would be attending. Like in her yeah. mom. <laughs> she is so shocked that her mom's man would be accompanying them to Europe. Well, Greg just can't handle it. He just lives with them. So like, you know, that was sort of, it was a, a twist for her. It was a surprise because he's just, as far as she's concerned, you know, the live-in gardener. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, is a little royal of her to feel that way about him. Honestly, he's the pool boy. <laughs> totally. So um, we find out Bronwyn will live to see another day, but she is probably not coming to camp. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, Lizzie is very excited to hear this. Then at this moment, as they're working on their model volcanoes, which no one did in camp, and these kids are definitely in fucking summer school. Uh, yeah, for sure. She's like, wait, my like iPhone camera is like flashing and I'm pretty sure that that is China taking pictures of me because of TikTok. Oh my god. Well, I mean it's someone, it's the government for sure. Why did my It has to be. It just flashed, you know. Well, That's shocking to me. But I mean I'm not sure. We may I'm sorry, what? Oh no, that was serious. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> we may use this as an opportunity. I need to check in with you friend to friend, person to person mm -hmm. about how you're feeling about the news about TikTok. I have to know. Oh, I literally posted a TikTok to Instagram today and I said um, my exact words, my, my public statement on this is um, mm -hmm. the FBI will come to my house if I say what I'll do to, I censored his name. If he takes- 45. This app, yeah, 45, <laughs> if he takes this app away from me. And you know what? I hope the Chinese government is spying on me because I live an honest life. And I maintain that, even though I think I just caught them taking pictures of me. I think we may have caught them in your device. I think so. And, like, I did tempt them today. Like, I was you did. explicitly, like you know, feel free to knock, knock. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm pulling it over here. And it is true. They just caught me on zoom, uh, talking about lifetime with probably a double chin based on the angle. And like, <laughs> I love, would I love for those to get out? No, of course not. But like, mm -mm. you know, things happen and people change. So I exactly can right. get rid of my double chin, but you can't get rid of your ugly attitude, Chinese government. Like if you're going to be taking mm -mm. like that. So, um, anyway, this is Lizzie learns that vinegar. Oh wait, sorry. You tell me though. What's your thoughts on TikTok? You know, I am not, I am a person who has TikTok on my phone and primarily uses it to watch zookeepers feeding exotic cats okay. because I think that there's just every avenue of content on TikTok. It's much like YouTube where like whatever you get off on, you can find it on TikTok, like period. It's so expansive. It, and it so feeds you. I like I don't feel any type of way about potentially not having TikTok in my life, but I do feel some type of way about 45 stoking the fire of Gen Z who have proven to be people who can mobilize randomly, 
like Gen Z and K-pop stands just like pick a random thing to demolish and then they demolish it within a day. Yeah. I don't know what the move is here. I don't understand what's going on. I just know that Trump, I shouldn't say his name, 45 could be taken down by Gen Z like within a day. Yeah, well, like, I honestly, I, I also wrote that in a comment to someone else. I am, I'm not telling you my Instagram comments because I think they're interesting. I'm telling them so that, like, people <laughs> know that I, I agree that I said that. Um, I said that, like, you know, like, Trump acted the way that it sounded like he walked back on Air Force One to the press and mm-hmm. was like, hey, like, uh, by the way, I'm going to probably get rid of that TikTok thing. Like, it sounds like he just found out. Like, he just figured out what exactly is going on with TikTok, which makes so much uh-huh. sense. Like, this is someone who does not read his daily briefings. Like, he yeah, didn't no, know that absolutely not. He saw TikTok in his mentions because people were like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck these kids on TikTok. I'm doing my best. I'm, like, sucking your dick on there. Like, that's what I live for. Yeah. Like, he's seeing that. And he's finally putting together, oh, maybe that's why the rally didn't go my way. But, like, I could wake up in a fucking cold sweat thinking about what would happen to me if the K-pop stands ever turned on me for some reason. Oh, my God. You do not want to get on the bad side of K-pop stands. Can you And I say this as, like, a newly found Blackpink stand. Like, I'm fully blink as of the last two weeks. (laughs) Like, they are so scary. Did you just say I'm fully blink? I don't know. I'm so sorry, guys, because, like, I'm, like, in case any K-pop stands are listening, I'm really sorry. I don't, I haven't (laughs) taken the time to, I haven't put the time into K-pop. I'm literally being right now. Like, I need you to go to the Spotify playlist, This Is Blackpink, and just listen to it. I promise your life will change. I know I love because Ari loves. And so, like, of course. And she's an artist who has very um, specific interests, I would say. Like, Mm -hmm. a big, big Celine Dion fan, not common for her generation. I feel like Joan raised a very uh, well rounded woman. And I think I would do anything to have Joan Grande be my mother. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming, and when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill 
right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Joan Grande and Chris Jenner are like dream moms for me. Absolute well, dream. Chris comes with a lot of damage like a lot of bad blood mm-hmm. there and i feel like joan mm-hmm. flies under the radar i mean this woman runs a fucking military look like a military communication device company this is yeah. what she is making money i have to say also shout out again to taylor allison swift because these are parents that took a risk on a child that may or may not have been exceptional and mm-hmm. all of their money paid off. Like, yeah. what What if Ariana Grande's mom wasn't rich? What would we have done? Like, that would be, it would be one of the biggest tragedies in our nation. Part. I don't even want to think about it. Like, I'm getting yeah. emotional thinking about it. Yeah, it's too much. Thank God. Thank God, though. But also, do we love a star if they weren't really poor ones? Because I will say someone struggling, a struggle story means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody born in Boca Raton and then paraded around Broadway and Los Angeles in the tween years and then on Nickelodeon, like, Honey, that's adversity. She wasn't ready for R&B, so they said, you know what? Go work in television. The girl mm-hmm. fucking takes a role on Nickelodeon, gets a spinoff from that role. Like, a spinoff. Do, do not tell me that that is not pure unadulterated talent like that is just when you boil it down that's what it is poor janelle Mm -hmm. mccurdy or whatever her name is jeanette she i I was on my youtube the other day on my algorithm a jeanette mccurdy video pops up where she's singing reluctantly about having a podcast and she's like i know it's so cringy i'm starting a podcast i'm like bitch you should be happy to have a podcast what is this literally Like, Nickelodeon's over, sweetie, and I had no animosity toward her until I heard her nugging the concept of a podcast. I was like, this is... Be thrilled, honestly. Like, fucking... Get on the bandwagon. Like, read the room. Podcasts are it right now. Josh from Drake and Josh has been fucking breaking his back on a podcast for years now. Like, come (laughs) on. Let's, like, fucking clue in. So... Where is Miranda Cosgrove's? podcast i'm sorry let's keep going but i that's some content i need in my life is she doing well 
I she has to be doing well. She's she is a gay icon. The gays are supporting gay? her. Yeah, like she must be doing private parties or something. Because I don't know. She has she, to be. I don't know what she's doing acting wise, but I feel like there have to be people who want to fund her dreams. So, mm-hmm. like Lindsay Lohan, just very taken care of. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Bronwyn's going to live, blah, 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 moving forward. <laughs> Bronwyn, yes. Lizzie's going to camp because Bronwyn can't come. Then, um, you know, Greg's packaging up his painting. He's going to ship it out. Lizzie's moved forward into the world with this vinegar and paint do not work, mm-hmm. as she learned in her volcano reference, or in her volcano lesson. Um, a courier's coming to get the painting tomorrow. Um And Lizzie's like, okay, guys, well, whatever happens, like, just remember that you have to be at my camp on Saturday because my play is going to be on TV. Yes, she has. She has landed the role. She's booked it. She's Cinderella in her mind. And she is going to be making her local television debut in less than a week. This is everything for her. Yeah. Which I totally understand. As, As having been a theater kid, that's the ultimate. Like, that is it. You know, I definitely was a little too excited when I was on our local cable access reviewing of the Patriots Day Parade in my town. I'm from from Lexington, Massachusetts, so we take Patriots Day very seriously. Um, And I crossed, I was walking in the group in my D.A.R.E. shirt. Of course, I was. Oh, my God. Drug abuse resistance education. Um, Was it tied up into a crop top? Like, did you have the little knot? Oh no, honey, I was chubby. I was okay, <laughs> I'm, that's okay. why I'm like this, is I was a fat child. Um Mad respect, me too. <laughs> so, um, but looking back, I don't think I was fat. I just think that like I was not skinny and that wreaked havoc on my soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so like I took that a little too seriously when I was on cable access in my town. I definitely was like, you know, feeling myself probably too much. But I would have never been so delusional that I would think that would be getting broadcast to Germany so that a man could see me on TV and be like, oh, that little girl is such a great actress. Does she have a single Mm -hmm. mom? Like Like maybe like Jesse McCartney is watching this TV (laughs) show for some reason, but it is not making it to Europe. No, it is not. So, so, um, he was on uh, Mass Singer, by the way, right? He was the turtle. Jesse McCartney was. Yeah, he was the turtle, I think. And I'm I was sorry, like, I am not a supporter of any Jenny McCarthy content. Um, I do not watch the Mass Singer. I think I'm the only person who doesn't. But okay. I am gagged that Jesse McCartney was on it. Because she claimed she cured autism. Yeah, that and a few other things. The Tara Reid interview. Oh, just- God. Insanity. I love that you side with Tara on that. Like, literally. You <laughs> side with Tara you. on most things. No, God bless you for that. Like, someone has to. Like, whether <laughs> I agree or not, I do think that, like, your perspective is necessary for a well-rounded conversation. So. Thank you. Yeah, no, but Jenny, Jenny McCarthy, you know, I will say that she is the second most hateable judge on that show after Dr. Mm-hmm. Ken Jong who I fucking hate on this show so much. And like, well, like I, why is he there? <laughs> he doesn't have to like, do not it. Not to be I a agree. bitch, but he doesn't need it. They don't need him. I don't really understand that partnership. He doesn't need to be there. I agree. Um, and like you, one would argue that Gladys Knight doesn't need to dress up in a bee costume and do all that either. But 
you know, there we are. But some things we want to see, right? Some right. things we're begging for. But like, <laughs> I was pissed that he was the turtle because I, in my delusional mind state in which I am going to not only learn how to sing, but become Ooh. so famous that my comeback would be desired. And if mm -hmm. I went on The Masked Singer, I would want to be the turtle, but I couldn't because Jesse McCartney not only cock blocked me on the turtle costume, but he won. So yeah. I would be the second most famous turtle on The Masked Singer, and he really sort of blocked that plan for me. We can put a spin on this. Let's let's strategize. Let's get a five-year plan going. I think we can make the turtle thing still happen and make it really impactful, but also fuck Jesse McCartney. Like, right. That's I could be a shrimp because I have a shrimp tattoo and I feel like I love shrimp. So like, you know, obviously it's a great clue, but it might be too obvious. Like you'd really have to be mm -hmm. a nacho expert to know how much I love turtles. So, um, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So Lizzie gets up in the middle of the night. She finds the vinegar. She pours it on the painting. And then she says to the painting as, as it's dissolving, she says, sorry, Greg, looks like you'll be too busy to come to Germany with us. Like again, yeah, and like, I'm just saying, like it's it's a it's a remarkable amount of self control to not like smear that shit around. Like as a ten or eleven year old child to just do one little streak down the middle. That's that's an interesting tidbit here. But it's because she is a child that she doesn't realize that Greg he can one streak he can fix that in two days. Yeah, yeah. She thought she was really fucking his his life up. Like his Yeah, she thought she was killing his career single-handedly. Yeah. So um the next morning Lizzie's going to camp. The camp is very nice. It was owned by a famous artist 100 years ago and his family donated the building to them, which by the way that fact never comes up again. Um, nope, not once. Not sure why that had to happen. Um, so this guy named Drew checks her in a camp. I have to say, oddly attracted to Drew. Not normal. I was kind of into Drew, too. I, I think like it's because he's, like, good with kids and kind of an idiot. Like, I'm into it. Yeah, and he looked, like, 80s hot. Like, he had, like, yes. you know, that sort of, like, Alex P. Keaton hair and the little, like, fucking dorky-ass polo on. And, like, mm -hmm. it just, it, it hit different on Drew than it did with Mila, obviously. Yeah. Because you know? now it's a tragic symbol for Mila. Like, <laughs> now it certainly is. If you brought that polo out in a court of law, like, when Lizzie is being on trial later, which, mm -hmm. like, we totally skipped Lizzie's <laughs> trial, unfortunately, like, that would absolutely trigger the witness. So... Um, you know, Greg's painting get, goes off in the mail. Who cares? Um, Lizzie's so confident at camp. She tells her mom to get the fuck out of there. So then Allie shows, this is a great scene to talk Allie and Greg because Allie. Oh, is shows, this the pool? Yes. Allie, um, comes out and Greg is cleaning the pool. He's scraping it for leaves or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, she's like, here's my dress. And she holds it up and like, it's fine. Like, it's good for life. It's a Forever 21 dress. Yeah, in a Nordstrom-looking bag, which, like, <laughs> very much bothered me. Because I was like, why is Allie allowed to go to Nordstrom and buy a dress, but you won't buy her guitar band? Like... But also, what is... Does Allie work? Like, she has a car. She has a bunch of shopping yeah, money. Because she seemingly. comes home. She's wearing a name tag 
when she for when we first see her. Oh she's yeah. Very, like she works at like a friendlies or something. Okay, yeah. Do you know what friendlies is? I don't, but I was just gonna go along with it, you know? Friendlies is like an East Coast like chain ice cream shop. Oh, okay, chic. It's cute. My mom worked at Friendly's when she was a teenager. So anyway, you know, Allie's making that ice cream money. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, listen, um, you know, she goes, do you like my dress? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, yeah, well, it wasn't $200 like Lizzie's. And I was like, that Amazon dress was $200? Okay, Lizzie. Yeah, I could have found that for $32 on Toys R Us's website. Absolutely. And so then, um, you know, I want to talk to you about Lizzie, actually. And he explains that when he met Lizzie's mom, he found out that she couldn't have a kid, but the adoption agency had a 10-year-old girl who had been neglected and her mom died. And she Mm -hmm. basically says, like, you know, he's like, Allie, she watched her mom OD and pass away. Like, which, by the way, how does Allie not know this? Like, that's... Literally. This this is something that Greg would have sat down with her and discussed before Lizzie showed up on the scene, I think. 100% like you would think that'd be like a part of her narrative like any Mm -hmm. happy family would discuss that with respect because it's likely that the child is still recovering from that and like Mm -hmm. wants to talk about it like when I was or at the very keep going I was gonna say when I was a kid and like I was like really upset about something like I was very vocal about needing to like talk through it and process it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd be at the dinner table, like mom, like, I just don't know why this thing happened. And we would talk through it. And I have to say, (laughs) I would, I'm surprised. I feel like Julianne would be the first to want to talk through it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And like you and I both, I feel like, we're earth signs, we're sisters, we talk through things, we have to process, like, Mm -hmm. that is something we absolutely have to do, and, I mean, there's just, there's just so many questions about the family dynamics here, yeah, Um, specifically between Allie and Greg, because this, I don't, I don't mean to show my hand here, I don't mean to take us in a direction we don't need to be going down, go for it, did this not feel a little bit like a porn intro? Oh, you know what? Interesting. Because, well, here's the thing. Allie does not look like his daughter at all. It absolutely did seem like he had a child when he was 18. So that always Mm -hmm. blows the lines. Like, you know, young parent, like old child. Kids raising kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will say, obviously, pool boy. You've got that right. 100%. -hmm. Dad, do you like my dress? Literally. Like, you need to sit down and have a conversation about your Yeah, he sister. says, come around to this side of the pool and let's sit and have a face-to-face conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said that maybe after casting, that scene needed a tweak. Yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, but by the way that Allie was acting, I had no idea what age she was. Like, I really thought this was, like, a 14-year-old girl. But then, you know, not to spoil this, the movie ends with an awkwardly happy scene, which is Allie's graduation day. Allie's graduation day. What did she graduate from? It's the summer. Like, (laughs) it it is August, and she's graduating? Well... 
Lizzie's been medicated. She's on like she's finishing her third bottle of prescription medication. So I assume that it's been. Oh, okay. So some time has passed. But you know, again, <laughs> imagine my dismay when Lizzie wasn't tucking her pills away into like mm-hmm. some secret teddy bear with a hole in it or something. Like yeah. I really thought we were going to get that delicious twist at the end where we find out Lizzie has like a list and she's yeah. shoving her psychiatric <laughs> meds inside of a teddy bear for the last year. She's going after Finley now. But yeah. honestly, that <laughs> Allie's age was a big question. Because at the beginning when she shows up, she looks 13. Yeah. And then... We realize she's shopping by herself, so maybe she's 15. And then there's a car chase, and she's suddenly at least 16. They're, they're, I had some issues tracking Allie's character development in this script, for sure. And, well, like, I think the other element is, like, Greg can get it. Like, Greg is really hot, I think. Greg's hot. We have to give it to Greg. He like, is a very traditional zaddy character. Like, you see him, and you're like, fuck okay i get it if and greg hit me up on grinder and said like i can't host i have a family i would say <laughs> i will get us a hotel room no like i'm in oh you didn't say that <laughs> no i can't host i have a family dude that no oh my god Jesus that's greg's god. energy that does that happen a lot Oh, girl, yes. Like, <laughs> Everybody is DL on Grinder. God, what a place to be to be DL. I know. You know, I shamefully, I used to be on Grinder myself, um, but I always hid behind. Like, I just wanted to, like, see what was going on in the neighborhood. I don't know. You just like, want to enter the warehouse of gay sex. Like, that's kinda, what this app feels like. And I lived in WeHo, and, like, I just was, like, oh, oh girl. And, like, how could I not, right? Like, I felt like Grinder was popping. Like, why not take advantage of the opportunity to, like, see all the, mm-hmm. you know, fun stuff going on in my area? Like, you can get weed. You can get drugs. You can get friends. Like, the possibilities are endless. People go on Grinder for drugs? Oh, yeah. When I first moved to New York and I didn't have a plug, I got one from Grindr. Oh, I am so stupid. I didn't, of course, of course, that didn't even <laughs> Literally, if To I, this day, my Grindr bio says, let's smoke. And, like, sometimes I just go over to people's places and smoke with them. And then yeah, 420 friendly, of course. No. Exactly. I would have told my ass in college, I would buy weed off of Craigslist. And I was meeting oh, my this God. That also sold Jennifer Lopez J-Lo brand jumpsuit, <gasps> like a full denim no. jumpsuit. And she would sell weed and, and J-Lo jumpsuits that like fell off of a truck. And that I was- That is phenomenal. Yeah, I never was like popping enough for the J-Lo jumpsuit, but I definitely purchased weed from her. And she would always give it to me in like a Newport box. And for some reason that was oh. more shameful to me than like the fact that I was back <laughs> Like you I, did not want to be seen with Newport. Honey, I was like, let's get one thing straight, okay? I'm maybe a fucking loser with no drug connect in my college during the summer. But I do not smoke Newports, okay? I'm get not, an American Spirits box. Yeah, I am not trashy, okay? Like, and did I consider the stolen J-Lo jumpsuit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so... um. Allie, you know, again, didn't know that mom OD'd and, you know, Allie's like, oh, she's so, you know, 
we're lucky to have her or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And we're props lucky. to Allie for like the insane paradigm shift in her entire character. Like one conversation happens and now she's the hero of our story. Like we have to give it up for Allie. Yeah, I guess, like, for the minor character development, but, like, if I'm being honest, I expect more from a 17-year-old than to a bully an adopted seven-year-old child. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. Like, you're way too old to be doing that, dog. Like, yes, that's absolutely true. avoid the little bitch. Like, if you hate her, that's fine. <laughs> you have a car. It's oil and water, but, like, you... You know, this is also, when you look at Allie's life, she is the common denominator. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's got problems mm-hmm. with everybody. So, you know, that's the whole reason why she's there in the first place. So, And I'm uh, frankly shocked the vinegar plot doesn't immediately get attributed to her. No, no, they thought about it. But what, what would her motivation be? Literally. Just to be a, a Grotsky little biatch. Like. Or because she fucked her dad and he's not breaking up with his... Uh, Let's talk about it, right? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk There's about- something going on there. There has to be. <laughs> I agree. So, uh, <laughs> Lizzie and Finley, like, are skipping around in this field and we see it's past the, like, don't go past this. <laughs> this shot... It's, Them picking flowers pan out to the sign that says, like, do not go past this point. It's, I mean, it's a Perry Mason hour-long drama at this point. The way that they pulled back, it was literally, like, as if the sign was going to say, like, prison, like, prison just for pedophiles. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the and, like, or, like, like, toxic waste swamp beyond oh, this point. Absolutely. Like, it, it, it implied so much worse. But again, <laughs> a nod to sort of keeping this in the realm of a child's possible mistakes and, and choices. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Greg's like, yeah, I've, you know, Julianne, I finally got through to Ali. Um, and then at that point, he gets the call from his client who commissioned oh him. yes they're unwinding over some red wine of course Ellen is her name yeah yeah these two like to drink for sure mm-hmm. this is the wine from bethany i assume because it was it did look like a pinot um and so bethany oh is yeah word. bethany's 100 i will say she gets the woman of her war uh for her word award for this movie like she mm-hmm. says, i'm gonna find your genealogy i'm gonna bring you a bottle of pinot your stepdaughter is, in fact, a bitch. Like, yeah, your stepdaughter's an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> so Bethany knew that Allie was trying to steal Greg. Bethany could see it. And now, suddenly, Bethany's eye roll makes so much sense. Mm-hmm, 100%. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's going to fix the painting. Um, then we find out this little girl named Madison at camp knows all the lines for Cinderella because she had played Cinderella. And this is where mm-hmm. my frustration with the theater programs in school comes into play because you mm-hmm. would think that because she played Cinderella that the camp would choose someone else because they didn't want to have this girl have the same chance over everyone again. But of you course. know, this is how it works. They're like, oh, she knows all the lines to Cinderella. This will make us look so good. Our mm-hmm. camp theater department will reign supreme for another year. Like, it but is- I have a- to ask a very important question here. This movie has suddenly presented with us a universe where there is one adaptation of Cinderella for children's <laughs> theater. Right. I, I thought- There's only that. one version of this script? I thought about that as well. 
Because I was like, I'm not familiar with like a Cinderella play. I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, all the plays we were doing in like middle school were like a new hot take, like a crime procedural with fairy tale characters and like all of this weird shit. But like these properties, like Cinderella, like these princesses are so readily available that everybody's doing a Cinderella script for children. Everybody's doing some spin on it. Like, there, it's impossible that this girl was in a production of Cinderella and they're doing the same production at this rinky-dink-ass arts camp. I agree. I agree. And I, I honestly am thrilled you pointed that out because it didn't sit right with me about the Cinderella mm-hmm. at all. And I, I agree. Also, Madison's too good for this play. Let's be real about it. She's above it. I agree. If I was Madison, I'd be like, I'm going to try out doing some of my, like, character work. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go for Cinderella here. I already did it. I'm going to cheapen my performance. Like, I'll try and be a stepsister and, like, work on my comedic timing. Exactly. Or, like, I wrote an additional scene in which <laughs> I play, like, some crazy, like, chimney sweep or something. Like, she's right. adding to the narrative here. Oh, I love that. I fucking love that. <laughs> so... Greg's like, yeah, the vinegar, no big deal. It was like one thing. It definitely didn't happen during shipping, though. Um, And then we find out that, you know, Bethany, the genealogy report isn't ready yet, but it should be coming any day now. So I wrote, Beth, girl, don't even worry about the slow progress when you're looking so good (laughs) in hot pink. Like, I said, Bethany, take your time. Uncle Donald can take his time. Because you are wearing this hot pink top and you look like a fucking queen. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the facts. Like, that's <laughs> that's just the facts on it. Don't even worry. Um, also, like, I, I would love it if Julianne was like, no, you fucking tell your elderly dad to get his ass in line. Literally. And fuel this impulse to appease my daughter's demented wishes to know her genealogy. Because, like, I'm going to tell you what. Shit's getting weird over here. We need an answer. I would say, like, your DNA probably has more questions you don't want answered than answered based on the performance from your mother, who Mm -hmm. seems like, you know, I mean, her mom seems like a very tortured individual herself. I wouldn't say that you know, she woke up and became the problem. Like, I think no, it, yeah, pain is a real universal theme in this family. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even say, though, at the beginning, Lizzie was like, I don't know my daddy because my mom didn't know my daddy. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Her mom didn't know, like, this child knowing that her mom couldn't even identify a possible mm-hmm. area for whom right mm-hmm. <laughs> And you already know that she turned that shit around on Lizzie every chance she got. All the time. So much shame. So much shame. Um, but yeah, so Lizzie confronts Madison and she's like, you need to pick a new role. That's what she said. She goes, you need to pick <laughs> a new role. And I loved that. And she's like, basically like, she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking kill you. Yeah, and Finley's just sitting there watching like a little bitch. Like, Finley, step in, girl. If you see something, say something. Well, like, that's the point where Madison, though, the queen she is, is like, Finley, your friend is a psycho, and she needs to stay away from us. And I was Mm -hmm. like, strong boundary. 
Like, you know who's right, <laughs> who's wrong. Like, you're not letting Lizzie come into your space and, like, control your perception of what's right and wrong here. Like, I would have mm-hmm. crumbled under that. Like, if someone came yeah. up to me and was like, I'm going to fucking kill you if you try and, and be Cinderella at this school or at this camp or whatever, I would have absolutely spent at least, I probably would have realized the next day that that was a really fucked up comment to make, but never yeah. would I have such agency in the moment to say. Oh, no. In the moment, you cower. We yeah. all cower. Yeah, no. Like this, this is unacceptable. She's literal like, psycho bitch shows up and <laughs> says, I'm going to kill you over Cinderella. Like, Richard in 2020 would be like, okay, bitch, fine. I'm going to become the associate director and I'm going to get your fucking scenes cut. Bye. Bye. But in... At like eleven year old Richard would be like, "Oh shit, okay, yeah, I don't want to be Cinderella now. Yeah, I want to be the fucking pumpkin. Bye." Yeah, exactly. By the way, pumpkin, low key chic role. Like, why not be the pumpkin? Oh, yeah, I would love that. Everybody uh, looks good in orange. I swear to God. And also, like, you get to be a carriage later. Like, how fun! Mm-hmm. Um, the glow so- up. Um, Lizzie's mom calls a camp, um, and she's like, hey, some updates. Um, Greg's painting is going to get fixed in a couple days, and we're going to get your Oh, your my God. Whatever. Oh, my God. Lizzie cannot. <laughs> Lizzie freaks out. I mean, she is a child. Lizzie is bugging over this painting. She did not. Lizzie... Lizzie is experiencing normal childhood disappointment, and that, like, mm-hmm. most of us, I feel like, when we were trying to like steal a piece of Halloween candy from someone, we would, you know, if we got caught, but like Lizzie's playing some pretty high stakes poker over here. And she's also seething. Like she's shaking with anger. I liked this actress performance. I really will say she, I think she killed it. Like (laughs) I bought every, I think she killed it when she was given the material that she deserved, which was not for most of this film. Like, also, can we be honest? What is going on with that child that she's able to access that <laughs> that anger? Yeah, what is happening? <laughs> it's a little too much for me. So, um, you know, Lizzie remembers that Poison Ivy is bad because she got scolded by Miss, um, Miss Mila. Because Miss mm-hmm. Mila was like, we saw you trespass. We saw you go behind the sign. And... Um, you can't go back there because there's coyotes and poison ivy. And so Lizzie's like... Coyotes and poison ivy. I love the combo. Like the two greatest enemies to a child at arts camp. <laughs> is like, are ki- I mean, I know coyotes aren't great for kids, but like, is, is are coyotes really <laughs> that like crazy? Are they coyotes, I'll say, are not the number one killer of children. I don't think. Yeah, I, don't I don't think, think they're at the top of the list. I wouldn't put it on a short list. I would say, in fact, I would <laughs> challenge that and say, Mila, really? Coyotes? Is that the best you have? Like, be Yeah, I'm like, Mila, well. girl, you got to be able to think on your feet a little bit better if you're going to be directing Cinderella at this arts camp, okay? Yeah. What's really going on in the woods? And who are you lying for? Is it the dead 100-year-old writer or artist that donated this mm-hmm. building? What's really is it the pedophiles that are staying in the prison just beyond the cliff that she's going to fall off of eventually? Like say, what, what is it? Honestly, I think that the guy who owned this building originally, his family is running a sex trafficking ring. And I would, say, I would say Mila herself is a victim. And she is now, you know, being asked to 
keep these kids away from the office of the sex mm-hmm. trafficking ring. Where well, they yeah, not to get ahead of where we are in the movie, but if we look a little further, the amount of police officers that eventually show up at this camp, like the police force knows that something's happening here. Like you don't send out 50 police officers to this arts camp. I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it, but the cops clearly know about this building somehow. Well, let's plow through a little bit and so we can get some of that good shit. Um, Madeline <laughs> fucking snitches on Lizzie uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. tells Mila, you know, she tried, she threatened to kill me. Um, and at this point, Mila, we've only had red flags with Lizzie. There's been no good moment with Lizzie. How are we still not understanding the implications of this? Mila of these has actions? shown a lot of patience and a lot of grace, and I think she deserves mm-hmm. a raise. But absolutely, a lot went a lot went down that I feel like you know contributed to ultimately what happened to Mila. I feel like there's yes. a lot of ignoring the signs. Yeah. Um, so Lizzie's like deep into some poison ivy research and she's like finding out what poison ivy looks like, like what it does to you. Her On friend- this goddamn iPad, of course. She asks if it causes permanent damage. Those are her words. <laughs> Is this what causes permanent damage? And I was like, oh, how noble of you, Lizzie, to like not want to fucking kill someone after what you yeah. did with I think Bronwyn could have used the same amount of thoughtfulness that you're paying towards whoever you're trying to kill now. Honestly. Lizzie goes to the cleaning closet. She gets some gloves to go out there. She's going to find her poison ivy. She's planning on uh, giving it to Allie, we find out. And I thought, why Mm -hmm. not Madison? Yeah, I thought it was all a big Madison plan as well. But, I mean, we'll find out that Madison is sort of is sort of just a pawn in this whole scheme anyway, right? Like, Madison is not the top of this list. Well, because Lizzie is, you know, she is, again, a child. So she thinks to herself, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give it to Madison. She's not even thinking about Madison. I'm gonna, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put this poison ivy into a plastic bag and in, like, six days when I see my bitch stepsister, I'm gonna give her a full (laughs) case of poison ivy. Like, that is a child's brain. Um, this bitch stepsister so, who didn't notice her amoxicillin going missing, also. Just, you know, bringing the facts to the forefront. Well, I mean, if if the amoxicillin was for the reasons we thought she had it, I imagine she yeah. wouldn't let anyone know if it She's was... She's not going to own up to that publicly. No, it's like telling your parents your fucking weed pipe is missing from your room. Like, you just sort of mm-hmm. lay low on that. So, yeah, um, yeah basically, um, you know this is where Lizzie and Mila get into a fight and we will include in our description, the clip you sent me. That's thank God. This is required watching. Yeah. You have to see it with your own eyes, by the way, like it's unbelievable, but um, it's a clip from a show on true TV (laughs) called, what was it? South beach toe, South beach toe. And like, what happens with Mila is like, you know, uh, basically a <laughs> child manages to inadvertently push her off a cliff to what could be presumed to be her death. Um, While we're struggling over the phone that is going to be used to call Lizzie's mom, uh-huh. Mila falls off a cliff. Like, 
Like, what is happening? This is like a scene from Mommy Dearest or something. This is what happens when a fucking 10 year old decides to run the show. Like, things Literally. are going to get gnarly. So, um, Ali asks Greg, you know, what happened to his painting. She says that she bought some sunglasses for Lizzie, sort of nice improvement on that relationship. The cops are They were on sale, out. but it's still a nice thing. Yeah, she used her own money. And so the cops are there, and Drew is telling the cop how weird it is that Mila disappeared. And, you know, Finley is then goes into the room, and she notices Mila's red flashlight that Lizzie put yeah. at the crime scene is underneath Lizzie's pillow. And so Which, this is the point in the movie where I realize we've got about 36 too many plot points for this yeah. plot to be feasible. But also, like, Lizzie is a white supremacist because, like, this oh, is... Oh, for sure. Did you not react? Like, I, I had a moment where I was like, do, do not dare blame this on Finley. And like, she comes up with the frame Finley plot, like, immediately. And No, it's sick. Like, it's like she just had it right there. And so she decides to, like, when Finley confronts Lizzie about, like, I know what you did you stole Miss Mila's flashlight. Lizzie realizes, oh, this bitch doesn't know I killed her. She just thinks I stole her flashlight. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't worry, Finley. I'm just going to go tell them that you stole it. And knowing that she cannot, you know, knowing she can't argue with this, Finley mm-hmm. then goes outside with Drew. He's walking around in the polo shirt. Why the police presence has not come with them to this, I do not know. But Finley, you know, basically, Lizzie looks at her and goes, just point to wherever you found it. Like, it won't be a big deal (laughs) to it. And Finley, being like, my ass is grass, she literally to a spot on the ground. And then Lizzie's sick ass watches from a window as the police, all these counselors that were never there before, are all, they're all going through the trees, they're looking, and Lizzie's like, (laughs) wrong area, assholes. You're looking in the wrong spot, bitches. Yeah, and I was like, dude, that was low-key. Lizzie, that's the smartest thing you've done in this movie, although it's also the most evil, is that you got them to completely fixate on the wrong side. But anyway, Mm -hmm. real. But also, thing number two that I hate about this movie, copaganda. This movie has quickly become, like, copaganda. One Mm -hmm. black woman goes missing. I'll point out, I think the only black woman, adult woman, in this movie has gone missing. And suddenly there are 50 state troopers fucking, (laughs) like, traversing the forest looking for Mila. (laughs) You are so true. Because literally she's been gone for, like, three hours. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Mila, for all they know, Mila has had it. She went on a long walk. (laughs) Talked to her mom and smoke a cig. And like she was smoking a J, she got attacked by a coyote, whatever, we'll figure this out later. But then I started to think to myself, oh my God, do you think Drew and Mila were lovers? And like, that's how he knew where her body was. Like he just felt it spiritually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were lovers or if- He's still alive. Like, oh, he could have just yeah. passed, yeah. Well, I just think like, are they lovers or is Mila the only person who knows that Drew is gay? Right? Like- 
There's some Whoa. sort of connection there. Oh, um, you just literally blew my mind. <laughs> like, oh my God, you are so right. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. And that's probably like why I was low-key attracted to him as opposed to most mm-hmm. of the guys in these movies. So I was like, oh, Drew feels safe. Like, I Drew feel feels like, like I, the one. I feel like I could be safe around Drew and he's not going to like be <laughs> sleazy and try something. Um, and he'll notice if you're missing for 20 minutes. Right. Oh my God. No, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> he's like, Drew's like, oh my God, I got to vent about this one little bitch over there. And he goes looking for his girl. And he's not fine. Yeah, no. Yeah. Those two talk shit together real late night. For and sure. Yeah, yeah. Drew's got a six pack of Michelob Ultra and he keeps it. <laughs> you know. um, only 90 calories. Yeah. Totally only 90 calories, but still beer. So like it feels straight. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, um, you know, Drew comes in and tells everyone that Mila had a bad fall and she's in a coma right now. And they have she's to- in a coma. She's in a coma, which is bad news. Because, like, if you kill someone, oof, that's, that is the mm-hmm. worst. I mean, I've got to say, that's the worst is when, when you kill someone, but they go into a coma instead and are totally going to come out and rat on you, assuming the brain damage isn't that bad. Like Assuming ooh. that there's not bleeding in the brain. She was laying there for how many hours? Yeah, that's the real rub of killing someone. Yeah, it, it is kind of a Christmas miracle, the way that Mila comes back alive. And Literally. <laughs> and they didn't want to pay her for another day of filming, but they didn't want to kill her character. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um... Yeah, Lizzie, it's like when Drew says, okay, she, Milo's in a coma, also we have to cancel the play. <laughs> Which like, Oh I, my God. I couldn't even believe was on the bullet point list of like, <laughs> like, cause if I'm Drew and I'm the only male counselor at this like little girl <laughs> sleepover camp, I would be like, who's going to help them get ready for bed? Like, it's like, literally. you know what I mean? I'd be like really concerned with the sort of the logistics of the only female counselor at this little mm-hmm. girl sleepover camp dying. Like what happens when Bronwyn, not Bronwyn, what happens when Madison gets her first period? Like, I can't be in that bathroom with her. Like, totally. Like one here? of them can't like, you know, put their training bra on like for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get the hooks on it. It happens when you're learning at this stage in life. Come on. Drew's not, I mean, you know, Drew is a homosexual, um, but, but that, that doesn't mean he's equipped that. for all of these potential no, like huge risks. It, yeah, no, absolutely at all. Like, I don't think he's a danger to these girls in any way, but like, I would no. like, I'm calling my sister um, and she's going to help you guys get ready for bed tonight. That would be probably mm-hmm. on my bullet list before we have to cancel the play. Yeah. <laughs> so Lizzie cannot control it. She's in a full narcissistic rage. Um, oh my she, God. Manic panic. Like this is insanity. Full rage. And she's like, they need to find someone else just because she's in a coma. Doesn't mean we can't have play. <laughs> And I was like, it's like, bitch, if you want to be on TV so bad, there are other ways. Well, I was also like, Lizzie, do you like work in the programming department at this network? Like, Like, you guys can rerun a few episodes of like, you know, growing pain. Like, you don't need to air the, the local camp. 
that's a yeah, nobody at the community center. Like it's not even, it's like where you go when you're so, like, you go to the community center and then you're elite within that community center. I feel like mm-hmm. that betrays the entire idea of community. And I'm actually very against this play personally. Yeah, no, me too. But also like, who's the audience for this televised play? That's another question we should be asking. Like, aside from the parents of these children, what normal adult is like, this Saturday morning, I'm going to turn on my local television network and watch a bunch of 12-year-old girls do Cinderella? I would say elderly, early onset dementia. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. Other children. um, But beyond that, if you even go to this TV station, you should be arrested. Yeah. Absolutely. Jail. Maybe if you wrote the play, but even then, like, get a life, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the camp calls Lizzie's mom. Lizzie's out, dude. And so, um, you know, she doesn't really understand why they would cancel the play. She's telling her mom in the car, this is where they're having that heart-to-heart. And mm-hmm. she basically is like, you know, her mom's like, did you really threaten another girl who was going to play Cinderella? <laughs> and she's like, I wasn't really going to do anything. And her mom tells her, you know, Allie brought you sunglasses and Lizzie's like, you know what? I don't want them to go to Europe. I only wanted to go to Europe because I wanted you to marry this prince and Mm -hmm. that's all botched. So fuck it. And her mom's like, well, I have like no interest in marrying this prince. Yeah. Like at all. Um, Well, then the other shoe drops. We get the call from Bethany. Okay. Oh, Bethany. What a way to go out for Bethany. Like this is, this is an explosive phone call. It's really, like, the last, like, couple minutes of Black Swan. Like, it's really, Mm -hmm. like, just on another level, wow, you really did that. So she calls her and says, you know, oh, we found out that she is a, a, what is it, a Willem, a a Willem? Whittlesbaum. Whittlesbaum. Okay, yeah, she is a Whittlesbaum. Her great-great-uncle was a lord. But mm-hmm. she's too far removed for a title. Yeah, but that's the end of the, the title section of this family. Which by the way, also, like, give I mean, it up to Bethany real quick, because she even on the phone, knowing she's on speaker with this crazy little bitch, she's like, maybe we should have this conversation when you're back in the office. I and know. then Julianne says, no, let's do it now. So like Bethany knows the truth and Bethany's the hero. Like, that's the fact of the matter. That's probably why we never saw Bethany again, was because Julianne sued the company or something. Like, I'm mm-hmm. assuming for, like, emotional abuse. I Based off of, yeah. like, how this was handled, I will say, though, so solid of her. I, I noticed that as well. Like, the maybe we should talk about this in the office. Because, like, yeah. God, cause if she could read the room on Allie, I feel like she needs to tune in to Lizzie as well. Oh, absolutely. She needs to be Lizzie's psychologist. Exactly. She does need, yeah, Lizzie could use a mentor like Bethany. So um, I will say while I was watching this play out, I couldn't help but think of Miss Countess Luanne de Lesseps. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's because talk about it. I just was like, you know, the Countess of the title, like these two bitches yeah. are equally psycho. Like mm-hmm. let them have their titles like i felt it is so unfair that countess has a title but lizzie does not Literally, they're both delusional 
Like <laughs> they both don't live on this plane of reality. There are so many parallels. Like this could be the Countess's origin story. I die for it. I die. I die. When I, okay, so I feel comfortable saying this because we're behind a paywall, but like when I went to see <laughs> the Countess's cabaret show. Oh God. Okay. I was sitting, like, they seated us in the way back, and it, and my friend and I were so disappointed. But then we realized mm-hmm. that we were by Countess's dressing room. So <gasps> we got to see her coming and going from the dressing room. I will definitely say, I assume it was water, but, like, she, she definitely was, like, holding a wine glass slyly behind the door as she was walking in and out, like, handing it to an assistant. Oh, but then, to be that assistant. This, um amazing lesbian was sitting next to me and she was leaning over and telling me all of these secrets because her best friend who was sitting next to her was the countess's assistant and (gasps) she was telling me like all she's like oh yeah no she's never stopped drinking like it never stopped and like oh and she's giving me the tea and then she comes outside after the show to like follow up with me and i think try and get the in try and get my digits (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, I was sort of like, oh, girl, like, yeah, no, we're, like, going to another bar. Like, you're not, not my, <laughs> this is not our journey. But now I felt, no. now I look back and I felt so bad. Because, like, I was only getting told this info because she was like, yeah, I might get laid if I, like, show yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasted it on, like, a fucking plain straight bitch. Like, it was so <laughs> to share with me. I want, I mean, of course, I keep the real tea to myself because I do mm-hmm. want to honor the bond that she thought we had. But, um, oh, of course. It was wild to not like to get the worst seats in the house, the literal worst. And then um, Victoria is also behind us, drinking mm-hmm. at the bar, yucking it up with her boyfriend. Like it was, <laughs> icon- it was iconic. Like my friend Ed and I are sitting there. And we're just, we're seeing it all happen. And in that moment, I realized, like, they did, they must have seen us two catty bitches and said to themselves, mm-hmm. we have to low-key give them the best seat in the house, but we're going to make it seem like it's a nightmare for them. Yeah. They were walking the line outside thinking, who do these two seats go to? And they clocked yeah. you immediately. Yeah. And I took it as, I took it as a negative at first. Unbelievable what you could miss in this life. Um, Literally. So, um, you know, Lizzie's like, oh, I want it to be special. And she's like, you are. But she's like, but I'm not a princess. So then at home, um, you know, Lizzie wants nothing to do with Allie. Um, you know, Allie's like, well, we all kind of knew you weren't a princess. But, like, Allie doesn't know she can't say this yet. Like, Allie doesn't yeah. know that this child, it, it's essential to her being to be a mm-hmm. princess at this point. So Lizzie's destroying her room. Um, when her mom comes in and she's like, you're not a loser. Um, and then at that point, phone rings downstairs, Allie picks it up and mom's like, send it to voicemail. Oh my God. Yeah. She's like, take a message, whatever. Exactly. Take a message. And she, she's like, we can't, it's the police. So it's the police girl. Yeah. By the yeah, I would love to see you take a message for the police. I would, I would love to see it, honestly. This is Julianne's answering service. What's the tea? Like, yeah, no. Actually, she's not available right now. Um, <laughs> it does sound like this is a 
about a potential murder investigation, mm-hmm. but we'll call you back. So Mila's Yeah, she awake. clocked that caller ID. She'll get back to you. So Mila's awake from her coma, and they need Lizzie to come down to the station. And, and this the- is when the House of Cards is starting to really fall. Right. At, for, by a child standard. One would say mm-hmm. that the House of Cards kind of started to fall more <laughs> flashlight situation but yes she didn't have that perspective so at this point like ali and and uh julianne they think whatever they're like this is just what they do like if your camp counselor almost gets murdered they bring in all the innocent children and just have them mm-hmm. be um yeah but Lizzie's like, you don't know. It's it's pointless. I don't want to go down there. And Allie's like, well, if you don't know the answers to the questions, just say you don't know. And like, but, but by the way, they can tell if you're lying. Like, that's sort of their specialty. Yeah. We also find And out I'm like, Ali, how many times have you been questioned by the police? Let's Allie get that tea. definitely says, she goes like, um, she's like, trust me, I've been at the police station before, okay? Like, I know how this works. I'm like, what did you do? Like, what did you do? What did you do, girl? what happened last summer like truly like because i would like literally so um lizzie fakes out she's gonna take a shower her mom like gets her shower started (laughs) she's like wait before we go to the police station i have to wash my hair and julianne's like sure let me run the water and just like immediately that's exactly why doug couldn't have been the sole counselor was because like oh yeah like these girls he starts a shower for them jail so no yeah jail um, you know, we find out that Lizzie steals your mom's wallet and the tickets to Germany, and then she goes to the front door with her suitcase from camp. Mm-hmm. Genius plan. She has the bag. By the way, where's your passport, Lizzie? <laughs> There's that. So Lizzie called a taxi for herself, um, and right when her mom realizes she's gone, she watches Lizzie pull away in the taxi cab. <laughs> Looking back like a perp in the back of a patrol car. So... Um, I would have taken my iPad personally if I was about to wear up. Like, just it's the easiest thing you could carry. It's a well, a child doesn't realize that they're going to be on a flight for like ten hours, probably. Right, totally. And she probably doesn't have anything good downloaded. And I bet there's mm-hmm. not like cellular service on that iPad because she is a child. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically. What happens here is that Allie's mom finds out that the taxicab company can be or Lizzie's mom finds out the taxi company can be reached. And so the dispatcher Mm -hmm. realizes he has a kid in his car. Then she like, you know, at a stoplight runs out of the car into, um, in like, and then Allie intercepts like the news of where she is from the mom. So she's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull around. I'm going to find her. They, she's running down the street, then she runs into a pizza shop. Allie sees the a whole pizza thing. shop. A pizza shop. It took me for it was a whirlwind for me because like I yeah. got the hookah bar based on the exterior. Literally, like what is this weird ass strip mall in downtown quote unquote Philadelphia? I kind of like rinky dink ass pizza place. I kind of liked it though, and then I this has never been clear to me. But like when we see Lizzie inside, she was like. Oh, um, what's the number for? And she looks up and she sees that the Wi-Fi is pizza one, two, three. <laughs> um, and, and then she says, never mind. Right. And I'm like, 
do you think that were you asking for the number for Wi-Fi? Like, what are you? What was she asking for? Well, in my mind, she's asking for the phone number for some service, but then realizes she can just Google it with the Wi-Fi password. But then I'm like, what? Like, literally, who? What do you need right now? Who are you calling? Are we to believe that she was on an iPod Touch? <laughs> Maybe she doesn't have cellular data yet. Maybe she has a phone. But that wouldn't make sense because why else would she have a phone? Yeah, and she can, like, FaceTime audio. So, like, her calls come in that way. But I think that's what people with kids do is they, like, give their kid, like, an iPod touch. I don't know. Interesting. What's – but I – yeah, again, I have no idea what that was. So, basically, Allie (laughs) goes into the pizza shop and they have, like, a – the negotiator-esque situation where she's she's like what's going on lizzie and then like she can't hear her through the bathroom door it's too noisy in here i'm gonna call you it's bumping in this small town (laughs) like it was crazy loud so they have this conversation and lizzie basically admits that like you know she's in big trouble she pushed her he admits to her off a cliff. She admits to everything except the poisoning. Exactly. And also killing her mom, which I think it leaves a door, a window of possibility. Mm-hmm. She didn't bring up that she had poisoned Bronwyn because then there would be questions about her mother's overdose. That's, that's a hot take. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, unless okay. the writers really thought we were so dumb, we can't remember from like <laughs> weeks ago. I mean, I guess that is fair to someone who's tuning in to the last 15, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, her mom comes in, and they're all like, and then Lizzie's like, you know, Allie tells her some bit about how some guy's dancing around because he has to pee, and Lizzie's like, oh, I do Because <laughs> Allie does this great shame move where she's like, I just wish that you could love us the way we all love you. Like... Yeah. yeah, we all fuck up. It still wouldn't make us hate you. Like, even though yeah. you tried to murder Mila, <laughs> we still <laughs> like you. So, um, yeah, then after that, uh, all is well. And then we get the little tag scene where Allie's getting ready to graduate. There's a another a porn setup. Like, I feel like I've seen this porno. Yeah, he's like, are you sure that tassel's on the right side? And she's like, yeah, it's on the left. And then you switch it over when you graduate. And he's like, really? It's so gross. Like, it is it is sick. You're right. Now that you pointed it out, it it's a really, it yeah, it, that's a nasty. Uh, it's kind of nasty. Blend. And it, the way his hands are on her, her arms in every shot with this graduation gown, it's just weird. Yeah, proud father or like incest porn? Who? who it's a knows? it's a big question. I feel like in a lot of these films, right? <laughs> so, but like that actually has also been like an emerging theme from these quarantine podcasts. Is like, why do they leave so much suspense? Where you're like, are they about to make out? Like, are these two literally people about to fuck? Like. I, I, <laughs> It's like they have to fill the seconds in order to, like, make this a full enough movie to meet all the commercials and everything like that. Yeah. You got to hit that, like, one hour, 25-minute runtime somehow. Yeah. And they 
and this was short. This was 125. Normal Lifetime movies are 127 to like 129 on a, on a crazy day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I wonder how many additional shots of father-daughter sexual tension were cut out of this film. No, that were added because they're like, we gotta make, <laughs> we gotta make a stretch, baby. Like, yeah, no, that's true. That's actually the key. Take that in for a beat. Like, take, give it, give that an extra beat after. And the two of them were like, yeah, we'll give it an extra beat if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, her mom comes in the room and she's like, Lizzie, it's time to take your last pill. Um, and she's like, yeah, it's, I'm doing so well. I don't even have bad dreams anymore. And she gives Allie this card she made her that says like, happy graduation, love Lizzie. And Allie's like, love, like this must be to the wrong person. And is like, this for someone it. else? Yeah. Like take it for what it is. Like this girl, her mood will switch up in a moment. So like, she might love you right now, but <laughs> Wait till after. Why don't we just live in this loving moment? Yeah, let it ha- let it happen. So that was uh that was that that was the movie, dude. I'm so glad that we did this movie together, and I'm so thrilled that I know you. I want you to come back and do like a full app with me. I would literally love nothing more. I feel like we have a really good vibe. Um, we do have a good vibe earth sign moment and yeah Ah. let's just keep it moving so um okay any final thoughts before we wrap this up um i do have one thing that stuck with me that probably shouldn't have it's on (laughs) actually i have two things they're very small one is on my list of things i hate which is what i'll start with (laughs) and that is in the pizza parlor yeah when ali's finally getting lizzie to come out she says I'll get us three ice-blended mochas with chocolate syrup. Right. And I don't know why, but that really rubbed me the wrong way. I also that is not that. I didn't make, I, I was like rushing at the last minute to finish my notes, but you're right. No child is like, ooh, an iced mocha? An iced mocha. Like, I want some coffee. I'm 11. Like, no, that's not it. Um, Although- but then... In real life, Lizzie probably grew up drinking like day old chocolate nuts out of the. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Because that's all. I know exactly what you mean. Oof. Okay. And then. The last thing that I really loved was actually in the closing credits of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, First billing went to financial consultant Noelle A. Zanich, which I thought was (laughs) fascinating. <laughs> that is such a good note. Oh my god. That's and then funny. The actors are listed as the players, which I thought was so theatrical. That is. I mean, it was a nod to Cinderella. I of think. course. Oh my god. Wait, should we look up the IMDB really quick to see who Bethany is? Can we? Can yeah. we please? Dude, I love that note about uh, the title. <laughs> the financial consultant getting first fucking billing. Dude, you're on some like season one slash two malls energy with <laughs> that. Like that's really. So wait, when I look it up, there is no mommy's little secret. Mommy's little princess. 
Oh, princess. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well. Surprising that there's not also a mommy's little secret. Well, someone's mommy's little secret. And it's her first mom, probably. You know what I mean? Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, the original poster for this is so demented. Oh, my God. With the little paper crown. Yeah, you saw. (laughs) Yes. Because our Lifetime Movie Club, like, things are different. Okay, so Bethany was, oh, my God. Doesn't even have an IMDb picture. Sophie. She doesn't have a picture? Gendron. No, Sophie Gendron is her name. She was in, I mean, it seems like she exclusively does Lifetime movies. She must be. Oh, I've just pulled it up too. My Mom's Darkest Secrets is what she followed this project with. Interesting. Of course, it's all Lifetime. All mom stuff. Then she just did (laughs) Daddy's Perfect Little Girl. Ew. Yeah, this is called Guilty at 17. Like, this woman is a lifetime staple and i probably i'm probably getting a message literally right now being like are you fucking kidding me that you forgot <laughs> that in three other movies you've watched you said was your favorite actress like how <laughs> that is the essence of this podcast so lizzie mathis was played by sarah abbott who mm-hmm. works she works you know, starting 2014, they started her young. She's done... Oh, it looks uh, like she's got some Netflix deals. Yeah, she's done, like, almost, like, 20 projects, it looks like. She's done... So- oh, she was in fucking Black Mirror? She was, um... She was Sarah. Is she in the Jodie Foster episode? She was in Archangel, yeah. Wow. She played the girl at age nine. I mean, God, how shameful that I didn't know that. That's insane. And so she did that Mommy's Little Princess was how she followed up Black Mirror. Wow. Never, never ever get down on Lifetime because Lifetime is full of surprises at every turn. Listen, I have to tell you, you know that my first episode of this podcast was Flowers in the Attic and Ellen Burstyn in a Lifetime movie, that concept changed the way I view Lifetime movies. It's gotta, because, like, these movies are out here. Like, Diane Keaton has done a Lifetime movie. She also mm-hmm. played seven-year-old Norma Jean in The Secret Life of <gasps> Marilyn Monroe. Don't you dare. I know. Can you believe? Wow. That's fascinating. This blonde actress played a seven-year-old Norma Jean? Wasn't yeah. she a brunette then? Probably. But Lifetime is tacky. And also, here's the thing. there's a two-part Marilyn Monroe movie on Lifetime and I've been avoiding it because it seems so intense I don't know maybe we'll we'll pin this idea but let me know how you feel about maybe doing parts one and two with me because I would like to behind me my fucking god Malls if you're serious about this I can commit to it in this moment but do you have, like, big Marilyn Monroe energy? Because I don't know if I, like, have that energy for her unless someone else does, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I would have to investigate. I know a shocking amount about her life. I will say I don't have any Marilyn Monroe art on my walls or anything like that. But I actually do. 
I feel like I've consumed a lot of Marilyn Monroe content in my you life. You know what we have to do? I'm sorry. I'm going to take it back. I think we should do this movie Stalkers that's on here starring Drea DeMatteo. Okay. Mina okay. Sorry. A hothead. Mina? Yeah. A hot-headed cop and a polished district attorney team up to bring a stalker to justice, inspired by a true story. It's called Stalkers. This is on Lifetime Movie Club? Yeah. Okay, yes. If and Mina Suvari's in, I need to hear nothing more. I will also say I would love, like, a good person to do the Menendez Blood Brothers starring Courtney Love <gasps> as the mom. Oh, my God. Courtney Dead Love mom. played the Menendez Brothers' mom? She played Kitty. Yeah, I think that was her name, Kitty Menendez. That is, I mean, that's first of all fucking genius casting. Yeah, like, right. That is, that makes me want to work in casting so that I can try to recreate that iconic moment. When did this movie come out? <laughs> that movie came out in not that long ago. It was 2017. Oh, so it's like after the rehab comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, yeah. Fascinating. I mean, and we know she can turn out when she wants to. When Courtney yeah. wants to, she can definitely sell us. So, I mean, God, her acting career, what a turn. Like, did we ever see that for her? We did not, frankly. I think uh, we should do the Menendez brothers. Courtney Love trumps everything. I'm so into it. Um, okay, this was so, 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 so much fun. Um, let's obviously stay in touch. I want to do an episode with you. But thank you. Oh, wait. We're going to have your social media info, like, in the description. But just real quick. Oh, yes. You know, on, on the record, where can we find you on social? Okay, so I am on Twitter and Instagram as at rich underscore money bags. And money bags has a Z. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's a long ass story. I used to be known as Moneybag Rich in some circles. No, um, I have um I have the worst like emails, the worst everything. I anything I have is like you'd be ashamed to say it in public, frankly. Yeah. Like so I yeah. guess I think we're And then other than that, I'm on Tumblr, but I challenge you to find me on Tumblr. I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you how to get there. Dude, I'm on Taylor Tumblr. I don't read I don't read Tumblr, but I'm very deep into the Taylor Swift uh dating conspiracies. That's like my Tumblr passion at this point in my I life. I can't believe Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift have so many potential romantic connections. Well, I can't believe that they've been engaged since 2016, honey. Like, are you kidding me? I can't. Well, I can't believe that. <laughs> are you kidding me? A Dude, dude, Carly is in a bearding contract that is ironclad from IMG. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'll tell you all the conspiracies. It's so fucking dark, dude. It's the darkest. <laughs> my, the worms that have developed in my brain as a result of reading <laughs> this material is so unacceptable. Uh, but yeah, but like, take, and by the way, like, the darkest part is I'm like, am I, like, a part of outing Taylor Swift, but I feel like if anyone has outed Taylor Swift, it's Taylor Swift. So whatever. I think that Taylor Swift was probably first outed following her debut self-titled album. Like, oh, I feel like that's not a new take. Yeah, no, absolutely. Dude. Absolutely. It's so, it's so deep in the culture. Um, and by the way, like, I hope Lizzie finds herself someday. You know? I hope Lizzie, you know, has some ongoing lifelong mental health, professional health. 
and four hundred million dollars, just like yeah. Like I hope she really does follow that. You know those comparisons Literally. all the way to the bank. Okay, I'm gonna let you go. Um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please take the find Rich, uh, Richard on Tumblr challenge. And, <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.